Oh, it's you. I thought for one moment it was. Oh, goodness me, I must sit down for a minute. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I met you, as a matter of fact. Only there's something I want to tell you. You see, uh, when we start out on our next podcast, uh, Warren, uh, Lisa and me, uh, we do some old series, some very old series. Uh, only this time, they're a little bit more Doctor Who-y than last time. Hmm? So I want to warn you that if your mummy and daddy are bored, you just get them to watch Take a Letter, Mr. Jones, instead. That'll teach them. Oh, there goes the theme tune. I shall have to go. See you soon, I hope. Round the Archives and the episode 15, next Saturday at 5.25. Or whatever time you click the play button, to be honest. And Top of the Pops will be back at the same time next week. Starting shortly over on BBC Two, The Money Programme. This is BBC One. In 50 minutes, the news is followed by The Norman Vaughan Show. But first, Adam returns to his old regiment as Gerald Harper stars in the last of the current series of Adam, Adam and Lives. Hello. Hello. Welcome to issue 15. 15 yes. Or episode 15, whichever. Episode 15, yes. I'm Andrew. I'm Lisa. And welcome to everybody yes hello hello um a few bullseye points okay. um courtesy from last issue yeah courtesy of the enigmatic iggins yes uh bullseye chain studios mid-run they start at birmingham studios with Central. a set with a set facing away from the audience then move to nottingham with a set facing away from the audience yeah how does that work uh why did the audience see what's going on the I, monitors i don't know then they move to Nottingham, where the audience provide the backdrop. Right. Okay. Which is a much better idea. Norman Vaughan's... Especially when they're passing sandwiches around. Yes. Oh, yes. You, there, is a, there is an episode where you can see that some old people passing a box of sandwiches around. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's very good. It's funny. Uh, Norman Vaughan was credited as the show's co-creator, but had never thrown a dart... But had never even seen a dart before, as his guest appearance later proves. Never uh, seen a dart. Well, that's what I thought. That's what Higgins says. That's right. <laughs> I think he might have seen a dart. Uh, the other build creator took it to Vaughan to help sell to ATV as a vehicle for him, and that's the other what creator? The other creator, Andy mm. Wood. Okay. Um, so basically, sort of Vaughan was the front man right. for it because people had heard of Norman Vaughan. Okay. You see, because he added the Norman Vaughan show. You see, he did. Yes. Um, Amazingly, what we thought was episode one isn't episode one, yeah. as um, a lot of episodes of Bullseye are missing. Yeah, which is really odd. Yeah, the stuff from thirty years ago two, shouldn't be missing. There's two pilot episodes, both of which are missing. Then um, the first two broadcast episodes are missing um, from September and October 1981. Then. There's another one missing from 81 as well. And, and there's some from 1982, including the Christmas special. Mm-hmm. Some from 1983, 1984. It's a lot and, from and a, a big, no, a big chunk from oh, 85, 85 and 86. Oh, and the last missing episode of Bullseye is from the 4th of January, 1987. So did nobody record them? Or, I, I don't or know. did they just wipe the tapes? I don't, I don't think anybody's very <laughs> worried about it, to be honest, but... 
Yeah, it's, it's weird to think but that so just, much yeah. of Bullseye is actually missing. But it's, it's like 30 odd years ago, yeah. it should be there yeah. in slightly wonky vision. What else have we been doing? Um, I've been listening to Jessica Martin's um, Wurzel Gummidge CDs, yes. which are the first three yeah. books mm-hmm. um, that she, she reads. I have to say she does them very well and yes. they're highly recommended. But very highly recommended, from what yeah. I've heard. I haven't heard them yeah. all. But I mean, she, gets, she nails Gummidge really yeah. well. It's Gummidge mm-hmm. of the books, it, yeah. as in my head. Mm-hmm. She's not trying to do a job. Pertwee, no, which is very wise wrong, so. um, and it reminded me that when I said in however many hundreds of issues ago it was when we did Wurzel Gummidge about what I thought was t- was a Siamese twin type scarecrow it's yeah. actually two one-legged scarecrows that are helping each other along oh, okay. so it's a bit less sinister okay. than, and much, that's got to be the, the longest gap between an article and a correction that yes. we've ever done mm-hmm. um, also, we had three pictures of Sid James yes. up on Twitter, didn't it's we? It's still that, going. That, that it went it's, absolutely yeah. mad. It still pops up at least once a week I, by somebody that I took three pictures from the title sequence yeah. of Bless This House, yes. which is like Sid looking confused, Sid looking cross, and Sid look, looking happy. Yes. And I said these could fit any situation on Twitter. Yes. And it was, how many was it? It was like 600,000? 600 600-odd thousand impressions. Impressions, which and, is when somebody looks at it, in case you don't know. Um, Lord Sugar got involved, didn't yeah, he? Because people course. kept on tweeting him yeah. saying, this bloke looks like you. Yeah. And eventually he sort of took the picture and put yeah. it up and said, this bloke looks like me. Yeah. So Lord Sh- Sugar jumping on our bandwagon yes. there, <laughs> which I never which thought was going to happen. Which is the wrong way round, surely. But anyway, on to this, this episode. Bless you. Which is <laughs> slightly different in format this time. Yes. Um, we sort of realised that we're now effectively we're into our second season, aren't yes. we? Yes. And we're, 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 we're on to the Dalek invasion of Earth. Is it? All oh, right. Okay. Um, but we've obviously we're Doctor Who fans, and yes. most of the people that contributed are Doctor Who fans. But yes. I've always held off from doing Doctor Who articles until I thought we had something new to say yes. on the subject. Yeah. Um, so this issue and the next two yes um yes we're planning that far ahead yes we're going to do some doctor who articles yes and yeah. include other shows related with, with connections those, yes related to those eras mm. of doctor who that we're going to be talking yes, about yes and it should be obvious as we go along what yeah, those what, they are. what those connections yeah. are uh but we're also going to look at underrated Doctor Who stories, yes. aren't we? Um, overlooked or underrated. Overlooked or underappreciated. Yeah. Stories. So that's what we've asked people to do. To do, yeah. And, um, yes, we have contributors. Yes, <laughs> people have already um, sent up. stuff in, yes. started work on it, or said yeah. they'll they'll help out, which yeah. is which is brilliant again. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this issue, we're going to kick off with mm-hmm. the gunfighters. Yes. Now I'm, I said I was going to do it and then yes. Warren said oh I wanted to do that yes. so in the end we're going to split it between us so you're doing it together so Warren you? and I will do the gunfighters um, yeah. you sadly won't be present for that article because no. you'll be at work I'll be at work yes. Um, yes. But selling beans selling be- what Steve Roberts cat no <laughs> tins of beans oh, right, okay. which is related to the article oh beans, beans I see ah yes more of that later memos about beans yes. okay so over to me and Warren mm-hmm. um, who are going to do the gunfighters enjoy yeehaw Hello, Warren. Hello, Andrew. Welcome to my sofa. You're darn tootin' it is. Uh, Lisa is at work. Yes. Um, so I we've th- had some <laughs> man time watching some <laughs> so manly Doctor Who episodes. We've been watching the gunfighters. 
Warren, why don't people like the gunfighters more? I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with people. They have no appreciation for high, high drama. High art. High art. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always liked this story, and I know you have too. Yeah. But I just wanted to go through how we were how we became aware of the story and and the, our encounters with it in various formats it, it's a pathway that meets doesn't it it's a journey that meets and, and in the middle is is a is a vhs yes. video cassette isn't there because i did you have the making of doctor who never had the making oh, you of never doctor had who. this no 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 ah because this would be the first time i came across it and it's the second edition so that's the tom baker yep. cover one and there was a sort of guide to all of a complete chronology summary of the Doctor Who adventures, which was chapter 10. And this listed all the stories um, up to, when would it go up to? Up to and including um, The Hand of Fear, which mm. was the latest yep. story at that point. That's really weird to think. <laughs> that's <the latest laughs> so that's how old this book is. Um, but um, you've got write ups for previous stories the ark yep. the earth is about to plunge into the sun the human race miniaturized and all earth life is in a huge arc on a 700 year voyage to the new new planet refuses the celestial toy maker tardis that's how old this book is it says <laughs> it says tardis not the tardis tardis materializes in the domain of the celestial toy maker an evil force who dominates the fantasy world uh, the gunfighters the doctor stephen and dodo arrive in tombstone on the 26th of October, 1881, the Doctor has toothache and finds the local dentist is none other than the, than the infamous Doc Holliday, who is feuding with feuding. the Clanton family. So That's almost that, a lift from the Radio Times, yeah, isn't it? Um, yeah. th of course, there was Great the Radio brand. Times yeah. special, but I never had that. Okay. Um, but this is... Oh, I did. Is that the one with all the uh, TARDISes on the front? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is simply a few sentences. There's no critical opinion no, given as to what's good bad or indifferent um so that's really all i knew about the story it's a bland neutral description yeah. isn't it um, oh no jump forward now to 1983 <laughs> very good for holding doors open doctor who a celebration <laughs> now you had this i did and this is the first time i heard anything about the gunfighters yeah. so this is the hooniverse the 25, 25, the 20-year 20 20. travel log. <laughs> the Doctor's Adventures and Their Backgrounds by Jeremy Bentham. Right. Now, Jeremy, of course, was, um, you know, he was Doctor Who Fandom, weekly and monthly. Yeah. So he basically taught us the framework of everything, I think it's fair to yeah, say. Fair, fair um, you know, his, his, his analysis of production and things like that were just invaluable to sort of us learner fans, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> And it's a it's a very good piece, um, going into a lot of detail, telling you lots of facts that you you may yeah. not have known. Um, but unfortunately, he doesn't like the gunfighters. He, yes, yeah. and this comes across very clearly in in his piece. Um, if ever viewers felt tempted to pour scorn on the attempts by America to emulate co British costume drama, a good lesson in humility would be learned from studying this serial as a demonstration of how the British could not do westerns. Poppycock. What made Sorry. this serial? I've not finished yet. <laughs> what made this serial so poor is the cumulative effect of so many bad points, which on their own would be forgiven in most other stories. The script was pure Talbot Rothwell. 
like that, wrong, like that's, that's a, a bad thing. thing. Yeah, the acting was not even bad vaudeville, and the direction was more West Ham than West Coast. He's knocking the direction of this story. We'll wow. come to we'll that very to that. shortly. Yeah. It was not good. It was bad, and it was ugly. Yeah. And there's a picture from it. An unlikely-looking Doctor in the Gunfighters, which has been described as the poorest Doctor Who story. Well, no. Described by whom? Exactly. Yeah. Now, um, there's the myth. Also, that it had the lowest viewing figures. Now, I always, I, I, I will, I, I always, <clears throat> there, I've always thought that. I really <clears throat> have always thought that. Even DWB in their 1986 interview with Sidney Newman, um, do you recall the Cowboy serial, which apparently dropped to two million viewers, the lowest the series has ever achieved? Um, and Sidney Newman says, if you were to ask me what our ratings were, I have no idea. There was a drop, but I don't remember the drop being as bad as you mentioned. Yeah. And, amazingly, Sidney Newman is right, because eventually we get to Doctor Who the Handbook, the first Doctor. Got that. I know. That huge slab. Slab, indeed. Slab published in 1994, <laughs> which is a fantastic yeah, piece absolutely. of work. Absolutely. You know, day-by-day day production diary tells you the cost of every episode down to the last pounds. Um but again, they're not too keen on the gunfighters. It has to be said. Um, but at least they actually start to give you some real figures. Yeah. Um, now let's go. Celestial Toymaker was running at eight point nor eight point nor nine point four and seven point eight. Um, gunfighters six point five, six point six, six point two, five point seven. So right. there's a drop there. Yeah. But I think this is partly to do with what um, was being scheduled against. Doctor Who at this point. Um, War Machines, 5.4, 4.7, 5.3, 5 5.5. Nobody ever knocks the War Machines no. for having low figures. They all say it's, this is the revolutionary story in which everything is turned about. Yeah. Smugglers, 4 4.3, 4.9, 4.2, 4.5. Now, admittedly, the Gunfighters does have the lowest um, appreciation figure. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's a that's not a. What, what a, month are we looking at the um, hmm? transmission for gunfighters? Transmission for we're looking at summer month. The gunfighters. Let's have a look. It's I think it's Aprilish sixty six. I'm going to have to April. Go. So it could be close to Easter. Uh, yes, something like that. Um, so that could diminish because it would have been school holidays. <laughs> no, actually, it's May. That's May. May sixty six. May sixty six. I do okay. beg pardon. Um, but yeah, this is. Yeah, I I understand that you know you have to give a, a critical opinion when you're writing about something, but yeah. I I think the trouble is everybody fell for it because um, in nineteen um, oh sorry Gun Gunfighters transmission is January February March thirtieth of April to the twenty first of May right so there you go um, but you know Jeremy's piece i think influenced everybody because we had no other way of knowing yeah um, um yeah because the monthly and the weekly was telling us sorry mm. it, it it was naff <laughs> it was it was a, a it was a real cludger of a story it was um but things i think started to turn around when the donald cotton's novelizations came out because the myth makers, myth -makers came out first, first yeah and that was a revolutionary yes uh, book for target books it was so different to what the standard target mm. book was it at this point and the gunfighters follows that line as well um so that's that's 85 86 you're reading those books 
but we finally got a copy of it in 1988. <laughs> yeah. Courtesy you of Wheeling Wheel Space. Now, 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 how yeah. did you get the copy? Because I remember you coming around my house with it. Yes. Had you actually watched it? At I that hadn't point? watched it. All oh, right. I hadn't. So I, you turned up with a tape. Now, where I did this cycled tape... across, didn't I? Yeah, where did this tape come from? Uh, it came from Fiona uh, because. Um, Fiona, who was interviewed a, a while few back. Yeah, ago. she was part of our. Salisbury local group wasn't she the SFOW <laughs> and and Fiona had videos didn't she she had videos and I lent her my copy of the two wheel in space so that's episode three and six of yeah wheel in and space. they were having a meeting <laughs> at an event somewhere at a local hostelry mm. and um, they stuck it in the machine and quite rightly the machine probably ate it <laughs> <laughs> so as a, a as a sort of consolation she says oh, I've got you some replacements here Plus the gunfighters. And I'm Ooh. like, oh, is that... And at that time, I had two thoughts in my mind. One of them was, is this really a consolation after <laughs> what we've been told about the gunfighters? Or am I going to see something? I've, it's going to be something that I've never seen before. It's black and white and it's Hartnell. I like black yeah. and white telly anyway. But I no, can I remember... I know you like you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I got my bike, <laughs> pedalled like mad over the next Saturday to yes. you. And we sat and we watched the gunfighters. Mm. And we thought we'd been cheated from a good story, yeah. hadn't we? Even by the end of episode one, yeah, I, I think we were going, oh, no, this is not what we expected yeah. at all. Because I think you're expecting yeah. really bad performances, cheap-looking yeah. design. Wobbly and, sets. And, and all that. And it's no. none of that, is no. it? The, um, I mean, from the opening shot... The opening shot is pure spaghetti western. Mm. The shot from underneath the um, sort of wagon, the thing. wagon, and then panning up, and the horses going by. Yeah, it's a real homage, isn't it, to sort of uh, I mean, those 60s. sets are solid. I mean, you've got, you've got Ealing film work. Yeah, and even the studio sets. You know, they're not necessarily huge, but they're very, very detailed, and, and it's not cheap either. And and some money has been has yeah. been chucked. And there's a lot of historical I'm get accuracy. The yep. again. Hang on. We've got the posters that are historically right, weren't they? The barbed wire. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we we've we've watched the video. Well, we've watched the DVD, and we've also looked at the picture, the photo gallery as yes. well. Yes. <laughs> and we've done the DVD with the production notes. Yeah. Which I can't remember who wrote them, but they are N- very. Never good. heard of him. Yes. I've never heard of him. Some bloke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. Uh, the Gunfighters, a holiday for the Doctor. Total cost £4,065. Um, yeah, uh, by by comparison, Celestial Toymaker, um, episode one, is £3,686. Yeah. Um, now, The Ark... Oh, that'd now, be that, interesting. Now, The Ark is um, £5,678 for The Steel Sky. Blimey. Don't forget, these first episodes, yeah. you have... The sets cost... Of what cost the money mm. uh, and the sort of film like uh, film work as well. Um, well I'd say there's more film. There's more film working gunfighters. Well, War Machines is just over five thousand as well. But yeah, the gunfighters isn't noticeably cheap. I don't think. No, but um, there, there's an interesting little things we've picked up mm. on. Isn't so there? yeah, we've sat down and watched it, and we've just yeah. we've just jotted some some notes down, haven't we? So let's, shall we just zoom okay. through our notes? As, as here's, we, here's one. Episode, I, have you done these episodically? Or have you just no, done I've them just in put order? them in a massive great lump. Well, the first <laughs> thing I wrote down is horsewoman with headscarf. Ah, oh, the horsewoman with headscarf, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to explain this. There's, if you go through the stills, 
There's a wonderful shot of... This is at the Ealing filming, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is, yeah. Where the actual horses are. Where the, where the real horses, yeah. yeah as, as opposed and, to the CGI horses. And yeah. there's a they're all there's a group shot of the, the cowboy sat on the horses and crouching down is this woman wearing a headscarf holding all the um, bridles. In, in case the horses get spooked when the guns go off, I think. And, and you, you think you've spotted... Uh, her elbow. Her elbow in the actual film. Yeah, where um, one of the Clantons is uh, turning to a single shot and he's turned around and you can see her elbow just holding the horse it's great but it, it, I'd never noticed her before uh, but, uh, never yeah. really taken much notice of the stills to be honest with you before no, the, 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 the film the photo galleries are worth looking yeah. at for because there are photos that you, mm. you'll you be surprised by um, there's always ones that I've never seen before um, but you know the production notes do pick up on things like cameras and boom shadows and and things like that. I'd, I'd put very spaghetti western mm. opening, uh, very quite, very, um, yeah. But traditional I, I, I western think opening. That, that's the thing. I mean, we we have to sort of put our cards on the table, haha, and say that I think sometimes people a forget it's a comedy for the first three episodes, yeah, uh, and b think it's some sort of documentary. And it's not. It's no. it's the story is it's, it's the myth of the West. It is a it? very much a myth. Yeah. It, it's it's films and and fiction. It, and it starts off as high comedy, but it, by the end of episode, by the end of four, really episode four is where it really turns. Yeah. yeah. And he, um, there's an interesting observation you made about Hartnell when he interacts with certain characters, wasn't there? Oh yes. The, um, I mean, people say about Trouton acts the fool to, um, you know, confuse figures of authority. But I have to ask you, um, do you think that Hartnell really ups the sort of bumbling old man routine whenever the sheriff is near? What are you saying? The sheriff is near! Yes. Okay. Yes, I do, yes. What, what? Absolutely. But it, it's something people don't pick up with Hartnell. They, they notice it when Trouton does it, um, but... But but Hartnell sort of it's it's not because he when he's with Pa Clanton in episode four he's dead rock it, solid. It, it's isn't serious, it? isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just interesting. It's, a, it's also he's had a rejuvenation, hasn't he? I mean, Hartnell clearly is enjoying he's himself. He's loving in this, this story. story, isn't he? Knowing knowing what we now know about the way season three went, there could be a sort of element of you know John Wiles isn't here anymore, so I'm a bit happier. Yeah. Um, but then you you have the thing that. Hartnell claimed in a newspaper interview that it was his idea to do yeah to do a Western, cowboys yeah. and Indians story. Um, but you've got some wonderful ad libs from me. He's thrown in there, like well, Work. yeah, yes. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of deviation from from the script mm. actually, or mostly to do with sort of little bits of comedy that Hartnell's Hartnell's yeah. added. Um, the the gun in in the jail house. Oh yeah, can Please. you do that? With twiddling the gun yeah, and yeah. all that, but. I mean, we were surprised to sort of note that there's actually six cameras here. Gosh, yes, we love. Ca- I love camera Ca- six. Camera six is the one we like. Yeah, it's the one that does all the high shots. Yeah, <laughs> but, and that gives it such a professional air to it. Yeah. But um, the thing that was grabbing me all the time was you'll have four characters in a wide shot, and it will almost be oh, like a ballroom sequence. They all then move into pairs yeah and the camera's cut to pairs but it's done naturally it, it's very tightly shot isn't absolutely. it absolutely um there's it, nothing off shot is there it's always center screen no, it's all very very precise i mean i i think it's a great shame rex rex tucker doesn't get to direct something else absolutely it's really well done yeah and you know that, that thing about the direction was west ham is it what, what? no no no, no. have you seen the same 
it's very it's very cinematic i would have thought in its presentation i mean this story i think also um it, it's surprising the number of connections it has with doctor who past present and future because of course you've yep. got rex tucker um you know producer of doctor who for about three weeks <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Matthew Jacobs turns up on set for yep. I think episode two. Matthew Jacobs being the son of Anthony Jacobs, and uh, Matthew Jacobs later to go on to script. Uh, what do you call the uh, McGann movie? Uh, Apologetic. <laughs> Doctor Who brackets nineteen ninety six. Yes, <laughs> the film, the TV mm. film, um, and. Um, Patrick Troughton was nearly in this story, of course. Uh, yeah, I never knew that, and, and that came as a great shock. And that would have changed so, so John, much. Johnny Ringo, Johnny um, Ringo. Some yeah. of the people up for Johnny Ringo oh, Lord. included <laughs> Patrick Troughton and Philip Maddock. And let's, 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 <laughs> why, which one's funnier? I, you, we were discussing. Philip Maddox going to do it with that it Welsh. rich Welsh voice, and then Patrick hold, hold the shotgun by the barrel. barrel. There's lovely Johnny Ringo. But can you imagine Troughton as Johnny Ringo? Well, he'd be doing it. How are you doing, Charlie? (laughs) (laughs) My little puppet I him all the way from Fort Griffin. Oh, the Fort Griffin. Brilliant. Because it has to be said, Lawrence Payne's accent Mm. isn't the best, is it? I think he's more Northern America. (laughs) Like Manchester, uh, I've put Fort Griffin e by gum. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's things like uh, whiskey, isn't it? What's whiskey? Oh, rotgut, isn't rot-gut. it? Rotgut. That's, the, uh, that's the official term for whiskey. Yeah. Uh, cheese in a moose trap. Cheese in a moose trap. <laughs> Whatever a moose trap is. Oh, and Reed de Ruin's got a connection um, oh, um, with John Pertwee because they um, sort of were um, trying to flog. A script for around about 1970, Doctor Who in the Brain Drain. I don't know. Oh yes, <laughs> I don't know quite what that was. Was that about? But, well, um, I've squiggled down here. Here we go. Um, I have a man who is smoking, dressed all in black. Shot first of all in the shadows. He must be the baddie. <laughs> Hugh Johnny Ringo, the the well-known northern <laughs> the northern gunslinger known as Lawrence Payne. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting though that. We said about how John Wiles and Donald Tosh have sort of disappeared now. Yeah. And Innes Lloyd and Jerry Davis have, have taken over. Um, it's it's one of those things that the, the new production team never tend to like the scripts of the old old production They team. feel as though they've been lumbered, don't yes, they? Yes, yeah. yeah, we have to do this because we've got nothing else. But it's around about this period that there's, there's scripts being rejected left, right and centre. Yes, you're um, going through that. I'm just going through a few around about April. And they're not by hack writers either, no, are they? Um, Jerry Davis rejects The Ocean Liner and The Clock by David Ellis. The Evil Eye by Geoffrey Orme. I just wonder what Doctor Who and the Clock was. <laughs> was it like Doctor Who and the Play School Clock or something? <laughs> the Evil Play School it, Clock. It's an evil clock. Yes, all right. And there's, there's a David Whittaker one, The New Armada, hmm. um, is also rejected as well. A Spooner one as well. Oh, I, I, I forget that. There's, there's loads, mm. of the, loads of the devils. Um, but yes, it, it's remarkable. They're rejecting more stories than they're actually sort of taking on board. Bunch of Tom Mix, if you ask Tom me. Tom Mix. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> oh, pick up your pea shooter and yes, let's get moving. moving. I'm sure he's going to say something ruder then, starting with pea. <laughs> That dirty great tooth is brilliant, though. That's isn't it? fantastic. Hang- That's the sort of thing that would turn up at a convention as it's they were. The dirty great tooth hanging outside the dental saloon. 
saloon. Yes. Hartnell walks past it, and then it's <laughs> the the picture is framed. Mm. So there's the dirty great tooth. There's Hartnell holding his gob, yeah. waving his gun, gun about, about, and the it, the picture is framed so that it says in big letters next to Hartnell, "Loon." <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't tell me that's accidental. <laughs> that that's that's entirely planned. <laughs> uh, Beans, oh, beans. I oh, have to God. say beans. Do the beans. You like I have the to, beans. I, I've been bu- I've been building up to this. This this is, this is you know the best <laughs> and the best BBC memo ever. You know, I, it, as BBC memos go, it's got to be in my top three. Like I've got a, like a spreadsheet of like favourite BBC memos. You have. I bet you have. I probably have. <laughs> memo 4th of may 1966 from props assistant june gillespie to the cating manageress of riverside studios please make fully practical 16 lamb chops and baked beans make the lamb chops like she had to go and, go and like sort of it's <laughs> one i prepared earlier yeah, go, go and get a sheep you know um, and baked beans, eight of these to be delivered to Studio Riverside One at 5.15pm with equal amounts of beans on four separate plates, like they were counting, counting. out the beans, you know. Uh, do you think they had He's a... got more beans than me. Did they have a budget for beans? A beans budget. <laughs> beans budget. Um, with equal amount of beans on four separate plates and the rest of the chops to be delivered at 8.15pm, also on four separate plates, with beans i.e. two chops and spoonfuls of beans for each of the four clantons for the actual take. That's precise, isn't <laughs> that it? That's is very precise. Oh, and two glasses of ice-cold milk for Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite scene, then? Oh, there's so much. I know. This is the thing. Yeah. So why were we robbed of the truth? I mean, I, I love all the double takes that Peter Purvis is doing. Yeah. Um, the, the comedy high point, I think, is early on in episode two, when they're doing all the, the singing and piddling about, and then Hartnell comes in. Yes. <laughs> the Clanton brothers. Well, oh, dear. Yeah. Clan- I mean, how do you do? Hmm? <laughs> but that, that's... There'd be no, no, no requirement to have a bash. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, it, it, it's, that's the comedy high point. Yeah. But slowly, slowly, the plot starts to... By the end of episode two, it's suddenly, you know, Stephen's about to be hanged. Yeah. Death becomes... <laughs> Very throwaway, doesn't it? In a very um, everyday accepted existence, mm-hmm. and it, it and the thing is, it sucks that viewer in to believe that's how they should be viewing it as well. And that's when it becomes dark. Yes, when the death isn't comedy. Yeah, when the death becomes real. Well, that, and that's throwaway. The, thing. the comedy works because it's early on in the story. Yeah. If it was the other way around, it started off serious and just ended up being silly. That would be unsatisfying. That, that would ruin it. Yeah. Yeah, but but there's a definite progression, and and slowly, sort of, you know, you get the you get, suddenly you get night scenes, don't yes. you? Yeah. Uh, and, and everything's just the lights a bit are nasty. turned down. Somebody's yeah. turned the lights down in yeah. the studio, which is which is an well, it's partially to hide first, the fact, yeah. isn't it? Partially to hide <laughs> the fact <laughs> they haven't got the street set. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I know. But... The other thing, my my favourite scene is Charlie the barman is laid out on the on the top of the bar with the shroud over. Oh him, yes, and Hartle's there. Oh, puts his hand on it. Puts his hand on it. It's just that frozen moment. He doesn't move. He doesn't move his head. It's just the look on his face, and he draws his hand back. I almost think. When we were talking about the review by uh, uh, Bentham, mm, Jeremy, Jeremy, sorry, Mister Bentham, Mister Bentham, my Mr. apologies, Mister Bentham, Mister Bentham, um, 
he may have only seen episode one. That's what gives me the mm. impression because that assumption is taken all from episode one. I, I, I don't know because I, I, I'm fairly sure he would have seen it at the yeah. time he wrote that book or, or certainly have heard it because I, I know um, I did hear some clips. I remember now I heard some clips on Unit Tape Scene and was okay. intrigued. I yeah. think it was issue five of Unit Tape Scene did a piece on the gunfighters and they had some clips on there. So that's the first time I would have heard it. Um, there is, of course, the clip at the end of part four, which was used on Hartnell's um, oh, piece Savages. about his death yeah. on Richard Baker's on, on the, on the news. Yeah. Oh, Lisa wants me to um, mention Victor Karin being in oh, this. Yep. Um, Inspector McKenzie uh, from Raffles, Raffles that we yep. did that we did last time. So can't get away without mentioning him. But how do you think then? Um, because our, our main aim of our project was to reflect on how we view it mm. now we've got older to how we saw it when we were in our late I mean, teens. watching it together with you, uh, it's, a, it's a while since I've seen it. Um, yeah. The production notes help. Absolutely. You know, help enjoy it even more. Yeah. Um, but it absolutely flew past. Yeah. There are some stories you get about halfway through episode three and you think, oh, get a shift on. And you're tapping your watch, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. But, but this, this stands up remarkably well, I have to say. Um and- and you, you said it's really in your top, your your sort of top list, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to get shot down in flames. No, no, don't. I, I, okay, I, I, it's I my second favourite Hartnell story, right. which might say a bit about my viewing habits, but it's not about the fact that I think it's a jolly romp. Mm. I think it's a well-crafted piece of drama because it turns itself on its head yeah. from opening up as a, a joyous sort of romp and the, the silliness of the end of episode one. Yeah. And then by the time you get to the, what I think is quite ruthless, uh, gunfight that, at the that end. That massacre is... It well, is a massacre, oh, yeah. It's, you know, we've had the massacre in the massacre. Yeah. But we have another one in... But they show pain, don't you? When this. Loris Payne is shot, yeah. Yeah. he clutches his chest and cries out in pain. Yeah. Oh, no, it's It's, 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 it's nasty. nasty, yeah. yeah. But you have everything except the blood. Yeah. There's, there's no Kensington gore, mm-hmm. which I think would have spoiled it. But it's the... Um, Insinuate. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. Implication. Implication, dear boy. The implication. The implication. The implication. The pain and the nasty way to die, because that bit where I was saying he shoots one of the um, Clantons. Um, mm. Doc Holliday shoots one of the Clantons, yeah. then keeps walking it towards him to get and keeps and shooting do it again. Him. Yeah. 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 And you're thinking, hold on a moment. This is what time. Uh, you know, it's quarter to six now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nasty stuff. Yeah. But, but highly entertaining. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean it, it's a, it really is a story. I I, I always enjoy watching. Yeah, uh, it's a watchable one. Yeah, um, I, I can say no. What you said? It's the second. What's your first hook? Aztecs. Aztecs. Well, second only to the Aztecs. Wow, that's uh, the Aztecs embodies the Hartnell era for me, mm. and that's a season one. Yeah, that's interesting. All right. Well, thank you for that, Warren. Uh, is there yeah, anything more to add? I think we. Oh, well. I think I think we've covered it. But uh, yeah, I, I very, I very much enjoyed well, seeing that again. Oh, you coyotes! Out <laughs> at the moon. You'll come back. You hear? Yeah, I'll come back now. It's your last chance of losing when there's no one to find. It's your last chance of losing and the first place you find. Four days ride from the station and you're leaving at noon. And your one consolation is the last chance. 
Thank you to Mr. Warren. Yes, thank you, Warren. That was a very interesting article. Yeah, shame you couldn't be here for it. Yeah, well, they make me go to work sometimes. Yeah, we did have fun watching it. Oh, good. Yes, I'm glad. Was, yeah, we like the gunfighters. Yes, quite right. I don't yeah. know when the last time I saw it was, actually. Warren wanted to mention, and he forgot during the article, so he's yeah. asked me to... Because he was excited. ...say here, about how he thought the gunfighters would have been an interesting um, third Peter Cushing movie all right so rather than do an adaptation of the chase he could imagine peter cushing um sort of moseying up the high street (laughs) with his bandy legs yeah i'm not quite half sure how it would have worked with um little susie though would she have done the dodo part i have no idea or would you have had had another cousin or whatever it is oh um doctor who's got lots of um, of relatives relatives, yeah. yeah it's all right you could have done something yeah um well liz cribbins could have sung that's true. He's got a good singing voice. So. But um, now we wanted to um, I, just just do a little silly thing. Yes. We said about Doctor Who and the play school clock, or the yes. evil play school clock, yeah. and we, we wondered what that might sound like. Mm-hmm. So I've cobbled something together which okay. might be a sort of fake clip from Doctor Who and the play school clock, which right. sounds a bit like this. Okay. <laughs> Well, are you convinced? Um, I'm not sure. It might, it it's a bit too weird, it's, I think. It's rather strange. Yeah, yeah. It's like somebody's been on acid or something. Yeah. Um, but now, um, we've done sort of the Hartnell era with the gunfighters, mm-hmm. but one of the most important characters of the earlier Hartnell era is, of course, Ian. Yes. Played by William Russell yes. or Russell Enoch, yes. whichever you prefer well, to call him. I think William Russell is his stage yes. name, so... But we forget how much of a sort of star he was. Yeah, in some ways he's bigger than Hartnell. Really? Yes. Uh, because many years, well, a few years before his entry into Doctor Who, yeah. he was the star of The Adventures of Sir Lancelot. He was indeed. Which is what we're going to do yes. right now. Yes. <laughs> Lisa, have you been enjoying the adventures of Sir Lancelot? I have been enjoying the adventures of Sir Lancelot, yes. Which was a surprise, I think, to yeah, both of was. us. Yeah, it was. It was. I sort of got it on impulse. I can't even remember why I bought it now, You do that a lot, though, don't I you? I do, yeah. I, I whole uh, living room is, is littered with DVDs that with I bought in But yes, um, so yeah, it's just, I wasn't sure what to expect. Yes, because you thought it was going to be a bit... Bit po-faced. Serious, po-faced. Yes. More of a sort of boys' adventure yes. thing. Yeah. 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 And I was really pleasantly surprised. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it runs for, what, 30 episodes, I think. First episode is 15th of September 1956. Last yeah. episode is 20th of April 1957. Mm-hmm. We've seen one, two, three, four, five. We've seen the first five black and white episodes and a couple of the colour ones because we wanted to see whether it looked different which it does which it does very different apart from being in colour yeah Um, 
because yeah. they they sort of got some American money yes, for the latter between, half. I think between series one and series two, isn't it, or the latter sh- stages yeah, of yeah. series two? Yeah. I think there's um, something like fourteen episodes yeah. that were made in in, in, in color originally. Yeah. Yes, um, but let's, let's let's zoom through the episodes we have seen and okay. what we. What mm-hmm. we've enjoyed about them. Well, maybe we should explain a bit about the series first of all, because okay. maybe everybody's not heard of it. All right, explain the series then. Well, it's, it's obviously the adventures of Sir Lancelot. But who's that? Sir Lancelot of the Lake. Right. Or Sir Lancelot du Lac, as mm-hmm. is also known in other. Because um, we're talking Camelot, media. King Arthur, and the yeah. Round Table, aren't yeah. we? And now we're not quite sure what historical period this is meant to be set in, mm. because they're all in armour. Yes. They have jousting. Mm-hmm. And they have a sort of chivalric code. So it's more sort of so like it, that would indicate it's Norman invasion. Yeah. yeah. Well, that actually would indicate it's <coughs> it's medieval. Excuse me. Are you right there? I'm fine. Okay. Yeah, that would indicate it's medieval. So I would say not even post uh, Norman conquest. I would say it's it's post sort of um, King John and all that sort of stuff. Mm. You're getting to sort of Edward the Third really yes. time. Yeah. So sort of. 13th 14th century 14th century alright okay I mean yes I know but then you've got Vikings in it yeah I know King Arthur is you know we're in the realms of legend anyway yes if you were to ask you know historians when King Arthur might have been Um, some people might say yeah, so probably say about 10th century dark ages yeah, yeah sort of 8th 9th 10th century yeah um, but you know, which you know, which is more your sort of Vikingy period, yes. but but that doesn't stack up with the whole knights in armor kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, well, and still elves. But then it, it is, how should we say, TV history, yes, isn't it? It's, it's not it's, history light. Yes, yes. I mean, it, people might criticise the gunfighters yeah. for not being historically accurate, but this yeah. is an e- even less so, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Compared to this, gunfighters is purely historically accurate. Because as I say, there's there's one episode, I think it's the third episode of series one, The Queen's Night, where Queen Guinevere is kidnapped by Sir Mordred. Yes. And um, he, sh- she's got um, stilettos on. She walks up some stairs at some yeah, point and lifts her dress. Yeah, there's a wide shot you can see her shoes. And she's got stilettos on. Now, I'm not entirely sure if you were supposed to see the shoes or not. Uh, well, they've but, done it as a wide shot, so yeah. I don't and know. And she's obviously got to lift her skirt up so she doesn't fall flat on her face. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's also the fact that she's got very. It's a very fifties look for. It's a very fifties look for all of them. Obviously, mm. it would be because it's the fifties. But you know, um, William Russell's hair yeah. is very fifties. The fact she's she's platinum blonde yeah. and wearing really red lipstick is very fifties. <laughs> None of these would really be available, obviously, in whichever historical period yeah. it was. So you have to sort of kind of ignore that and go, yeah, that's it's like it's TV history. Yeah, and when it goes into colour, you yeah. said that some some of the sort of colour palette yes. is not it's, it's, not the what you'd be wearing very red. at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd be talking muted colours. Yes, because I'm not sure, you? especially the, the one um, one of the colour episodes we watched, which the witch brew, the the witch in it. Mm-hmm. I do that in commas. Right. She's not necessarily a witch. She's wearing a really dark scarlet colour yeah. and I'm not entirely scarlet sure woman, you see. yes I get the notion but I'm not sure you could do that colour no. at that period I think it's too red okay so I think it would have been a 
as you say, a more muted version of mm. the red. But we're going completely off the subject now. That's right. <laughs> no, it's detail. It's detail. But what I love love about the series is that it's done with a, a lightness of touch yes. and a sort of a sense of humour mm. and an awareness that yeah. you know th- this is a bit daft. Yes, but. Um, William Russell's performance really sort of holds it together, it does. doesn't he? He's playing it with a lightness of touch. Mm. Yeah. Because if you're familiar with Ian, yeah. it's a familiar performance. It's a familiar performance. Yes. Performance, even. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's like seeing an old friend, really. I it think, is. It if, really if, is. If you like yeah. Ian. Yeah, if you like Ian, you'll like Sir Lancelot. Mm. Because he basically played Ian Chesterton the way he played Ian Lancelot. Ian. Ian Lancelot. We're doing well today, honestly. I've been on the been on the mead, no, have I you? Haven't. No, 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 I've yeah. been on the mead. But um, you've also got um, Cyril Smith, the actor, not yes. the MP, no. as Merlin. As Merlin, who's one of my who's just super favourite characters because yeah. he's such an old fraud. He is. Um, yes. we'll deal with some of his frauds as we yeah, go no, through no. the episode yeah. but he yeah. basically he's, he's not got any magical no he doesn't do anything magical ability at all, at all no. which pleased all me because had he got powers or mm. something like that, it, it might have unbalanced the series yeah. I, I, yeah I felt you know Merlin's quite a difficult character yes to sort of deal with sometimes because he, he can have too much too much power, power. Yeah. yeah but Lancelot is the hero he is. and Lancelot is the one that yeah. you know um, sort of deals with the problems from, yes. from week to week mm-hmm. um, apart from when he's not in the episode <laughs> well, there's only one we've seen so far yeah. that he hasn't been so episode one Night with the Red Plume yeah um, he just sort of turns up doesn't he there. he does yeah because um, he's, he's, he's been in the sort of service s- of an enemy king else. yes, yes. Um, yes. But his father but, wanted him but to serve. But he meets this King sort of Arthur. loony bloke. In, in, he does in, a hermit who lives sort of up, yeah. up up in the sort of in a cave. In a cave. Yeah, you wanted to live in a cave. I, I wouldn't you? mind a cave. Yeah. He was it Leonides. Yeah, as long as he had a bathroom. Yes, who's sort of in league with Merlin at Camelot yeah. by signalling to him using a mirror. A mirror, yeah. Of, it's, there's lots li- of little li- touches. Light flashing. Yeah, yeah, it's lots of little clever touches. Yeah. You know, because there's... Uh, but it's stuff you um, could do at the time. Yeah. yeah. It's stuff the kids at home, if they wanted to place a Lancelot, they yeah. could do. They could have a mirror and signal an So he's child. signalling a message to Merlin that a knight with a red plume is going to turn up. Yeah. Basically. And Because he, he, he meets some knights in the wood, doesn't he? He meets some of King Arthur's knights. Yeah. And they, they're a bit sort of rude to him so he, yeah, he a shows a him fight. a lesson yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah Merlin gets this message and, yeah. and he sort of immediately he sort strides of into the throne and room. goes I've got a ma- I've got a vision <laughs> that a, a knight in red plume will appear at Camelot within the hour a great knight a great knight yeah. is he alright okay yeah. and you know lo and behold that does comes, come to pass yeah. and everyone thinks oh how clever Merlin is yes <laughs> apart from possibly King Arthur yeah they're not this, not so much at this point because yeah. this is the first King Arthur. But uh, you get two actors yeah. playing King yeah, Arthur. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that in a minute. But um, yeah. um, William Russell notices this mirror, doesn't yes. he? And it works. Out, oh, you could send messages With like that, that could not yeah. you? Yeah, that's very interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That's the science teacher the science bit teacher comes bit, in. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like almost like look at the blocks, Barbara. Look yeah, at the joins yeah, in the yeah, blocks. Yeah, look at the joins in the blocks of the castle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Lancelot is not fooled by any of no. Merlin's show because no. Merlin also does a thing with um, 
invisible ink that yeah. is made out of lemon juice, lemon juice isn't it you write yeah. on lemon juice and then you hold it over a flame flame and, and the not right, over a flame that's set fire to it near yeah. to a flame I, i've done that as a kid yeah, just in case you want to try it at home yeah. don't hold it over the flame because you will set fire to the paper yeah but yeah anyway episode two ferocious fathers or yes. as i misread it for the ferocious feathers yeah because for a second i thought merlin had invented exploding feathers but no that's that's no no um it's it's two sort of sirs isn't it yes um yeah who are having a feud yes um one of them's son is darren nesbitt yeah. isn't it Derry Nesbitt. Derry Nesbitt, he's credited. And, yes. and, and he's sort of um, in love with the with girl the, of the other one. Of the other he? one, yeah. 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 But you, you, you so. get this brilliant situation where they have a rubbish sword fight at yes. the end, a knowingly rubbish one. A very rubbish sword fight, yeah. And you end up, because it's Ballard Berkeley and, yeah. or is it Ballard Barkley? I don't mm. know. And George Woodbridge. George Woodbridge so you get, the, you get a fight between yeah. Mr. Pipkin and the Major and from the major 40, 40 Towers. Towers yeah. As, as the joke goes, uh, parchment's arrived yet, Lancelot? No, not yet, Major, no. <laughs> um, so that's that, that's knowingly silly. Yeah. Because they just can't hardly lift the sword no, at the end. No. They and, just sort of sit and yeah. puff and blow. And the ridiculous thing is that the whole feud has been about a stream, a fishing rights on a stream, that dried up years ago. Yeah, and they've sort of forgotten why, and they're, forgotten why they're doing arguing. it. It's just pointless. So episode three, The Queen's Knight, Guinevere mm. is kidnapped by Sir Mordred. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one with the shoes, isn't yes. it? Can't remember much about that one. Um, mm. Is it is not, 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 not the best of, of episodes. No. But the first three are all directed by Ralph Smart. Episode five is directed by Arthur Crabtree, which made me think <laughs> of, um, you know, Good Moaning from yes. Hello, Hello, because that's Arthur Bostrom playing Officer of Crabtree, Crabtree, isn't yeah. it? But anyway, but uh, we're jumping ahead. Episode mm. four... Um, the outcast. Mm-hmm. So this is what we call the uh, Lancelot Light, Light episode because yeah. it mostly yeah. features around his squire Brian, Brian, which is yes. a brilliantly silly name. Yes. Anyway, which is appropriate for today because if you can hear any noises in the background, it's Storm Brian. Storm Brian is going on. Yes, and Patrick McGowan's there as Sir Glavin. Sir Glavin. Yes, yes. Um, he, he's a sort of guest villain, isn't he? Yes, um, yeah. with a rubbish stick on beard. <laughs> but yeah, Brian. That, they're sort of debating whether Brian's of noble birth, yes, isn't he? Because he's got to be of noble birth to be a knight. Yes, because he's really a sort of kitchen boy, isn't he? he? Is, yeah. yeah, he was a kitchen boy at Bar- Barclays Castle. Yeah. yeah, but Merlin's come up with this supposed family, family tree, tree, how yeah. he's descended from King Brian of such and of such. Of Cornwall, isn't it, or somewhere? Yeah. And one of the knights <laughs> sort of says. Um, well, there's nothing on this family mm. tree, yeah. and Merlin sort of looks a bit huffy and goes, "It is written in invisible ink." Yeah. And there's a pause, and yeah. King Arthur gives him a look. A look, yeah, yeah. Because by this point, for the, I think for the first three episodes, um, is a different King Arthur. A different, isn't different it? King Arthur, Bruce. Yeah, Bruce, the, the the early episodes, Bruce Seaton is King Arthur, yeah. then then Ronald Lee Ronald Hunt. Hunt. So and Ronald Lee Hunt. The changing face of King Arthur, yeah, King Arthur, isn't it? And he's the better actor, I yeah. think. Right. And he's, um, yeah, he just, he gives him this sort of little sideways look. I know what you're up to. Yeah, which, yeah, for me says, I know what you're up to, but at the moment it's it's good for me that you're doing it, so I'll let you carry on. <laughs> so it's good that both Lancelot and King Arthur both know that Merlin is not all he's cracked up today. Yeah. But they're perfectly prepared to let it go because... It suits the purposes. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if, if Merlin does ever actually do, do anything any magic. properly magic, yeah. magic, but I don't think it's going to no. happen. Mm. But yeah, episode 
five winged victory that's mm-hmm. the one about with the with the stuffed pigeons isn't it yes so um merlin's come up with this scheme for sending messages via pigeons carrier pigeon yeah um yeah. which he claims to have invented yes but Lancelot goes didn't yeah. did the ancient arabs or something is to it do king that? solomon king or something solomon, in, yeah, in this yeah. book that you yeah. just happen to have in front of you yes you should read this book it will tell you all about that yeah but yeah, they've got these rather rubbish stuffed, stuffed pigeon. pigeons. Yeah, because that... they've got real ones that do flying. Yeah. But obviously, maybe they couldn't handle the real ones. Yeah. So they've got but a you're, stuffed you're one. But you'll like stood yeah, in, the, just, in the castle window and Merlin picks it up and it doesn't do anything. No. The head doesn't move and, you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but then that's the black and white ones we've, we've done. We did yeah. um, jump ahead to a couple of colour ones. Yeah. Which is the lesser breed, which mm-hmm. is the Vikings one, Vikings one yeah. which does feature Wilfred Bramble briefly yeah. as a fisherman. Yeah, you don't get much to say. It's got about three lines, no, doesn't it? Which most of consists of yes, my lord. yes, my lord. Yeah, because <laughs> we're also watching Wilfred Bramble at the moment in Bleak yeah. House Bleak from House. 1959, yeah. Yeah. where he's crook, isn't mm-hmm. he? And uh, that's that's an interesting performance. It is. Yeah. And we've also got Witch's Brew, which we talked about briefly, where mm-hmm. there's the uh, a Scarlet Woman, as you'd yes. say. Um, she's got this um, sort of rotating mirror thing yeah. powered by a candle yeah. and she's sort of put the fluence on on Leonard Sachs, on Leonard Sachs. Yeah, which is bizarre <laughs> once again yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the, the colour ones they, they do feel a bit different and, yeah. um, it's because they're sort of really technicolour it's like mm. everything in colour in the 50s has got to be really really brightly coloured because yeah. it's We've got colour. Let's make it really brightly coloured. But that's the thing. In the UK, you wouldn't have seen them in colour no, anyway. It's only colour, the no. US networks that yeah. that that had it. Um, so yeah, um, you know, people sort of think things like Stingray are the first yeah. colour things in the UK, and mm-hmm. no, it's so Lancelot beats it by by a, a number of years. years. Yeah. But yeah, I I, th- I just think it, it's a fun it's a fun series. It is a fun series, you, and it's you got get... the most ridiculous theme tune. Oh yes, the th- the theme tune. Mm. Um, this really does put it into sort of Monty Python. It does territory, it doesn't does. it? Because yeah. it seems to be the rule that a lot of these historical series do have to have a vaguely jaunty theme. Yeah, it's tune. it's yeah. Because you obviously get William Tell. Mm. I mean Robin, Robin Hood, Hood. Yeah. Um, but you, we we did talk about many issues ago about um, Tony Hancock's Eric's and the Viking. Yes. Which is, you know, which is got a, which is a deliberate parody of mm-hmm. of Robin, Robin Hood's theme, um, but then there's also the um, Alan Adele song from yeah. uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, and not only but also, yes. and that that's gloriously silly as well. Yes. Um, yes. Once you've heard it, you find yourself singing it. Yeah. Quite a lot. <laughs> but yes, it, it is just gloriously daft, mm. and. I, I do wonder whether it sort of influences Monty Python as well because you've, you've got in Holy Grail hmm. you've got um, Brave Brave Sir Robin oh, yeah. Sir Robin ran away I yes. never <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you know you've got to remember that these people are of an age where they probably would have seen yes. Sir Lancelot yep. sort of growing up as kids so it's, it's interesting well they weren't really kids in the late 50s were they well now we know but, uh, sort of 15, 16 yeah so. But even so, they probably would have seen it, and you know we we will 
round off the the article with mm. this this glory that is this theme, the theme tune. tune. Yeah, yeah. We're sorry if you get it in your head, but it will but it will stick with yeah. you. Yes. But it's fun. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's just again, it, it's fascinating to see people sort of turning up being terribly young. Yeah, the half the time you don't recognise them because they're only on there for a split second and they've got all got big moustaches. Yeah. The, the men, obviously, not the women. <laughs> and one other thing I should say is that um, when we mentioned Sir Lancelot, because mm. I think you put the theme tune up or something, yeah. um, at, uh, Alan Dace, I think, said that Jane Hilton, who plays Queen Guinevere, mm. um, is Betty's mother in Some Mothers Do Have Them. All right. So... Oh. Sorry, I thought I'd mentioned that. Oh, that's, uh, I, I, I must have missed that one. Yeah. Let's have a look, Jane. Did I tell you? Oh, well, I, I, I don't always listen, do I? But, so, uh, let's, yeah. let's have a look and see uh, if we've got... So. Well, oh, I can't really see that, never mind. But uh, we'll jump ahead to that. Oh, yes, she's in... Uh, yeah. Her most identifiable role was Beryl Fisher, the mother of Betty in mm -hmm. Some Mothers Do Have Them. You're quite yeah. right. I, well, no, Alan Dace is right. Well, yes. Because Alan Dace... Yes. He's the one that brought it to my attention. Oh, well, there, there you yeah. go. So, I've learned something doing the yeah, article. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, all yeah. available from Network. Yeah, or other other places it is available. But yes. Network's got a sale at the moment. Yes. So, well, by know. the time this is out, the sale will probably be over. But it, there might, might be another not. one They might have extended it. You never know. They get to the end and extend it because they're doing so well. But, yeah, a good a good fun series. Yeah. Not Not... Yep. Taking and, itself too seriously. And if you want more, more um, Ian Chesterton, this mm. is the nearest you can get. I think so. Yes. So yes. and it is fun, and you know it's got a ridiculous jaunty theme tune. Yeah. What, what Which can we're you now for? going to play. Yeah. Get ready. Okay. Well, that's definitely going to stick in your head. That it tune, is, isn't it? yeah. Sorry, earworm. Right, Warren now nicely joins us. Yes, rejoins uh, us. Rejoins us. Or we rejoin. Yeah. As as we uh, spend a little time to uh, remember the late Debbie Watling. Yes, who um, passed away this year. So we'll talk about uh, Debbie and um, Victoria. Yeah, and we'll be back shortly. We'll be back soon. Yes. Hello. 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 Hello, Warren. Hello. Warren's here again. He is. Um, we We're still here, isn't he? Wait. Well, yes, but yes. The, the, there have been articles in between. Oh, right, so okay. They won't unlock the door. No. Okay. Uh, we just thought we would like to say a few words about Deborah Watling. Yes, yeah. he sadly um, passed just, away yeah, just a, a few months ago. Remember her and remember Victoria, I think. Yes. Um, we earlier referenced Doctor Who a celebration in our Gunfighters piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And there's a piece at the end um, which lists all the missing episodes. And when this book was published in 1983, there's 134 episodes missing. And I think more than anyone, I think Deborah Watling and Victoria have benefited from returns over the years since yeah. then. Because if you look at the list of episodes um, that she she recorded you've got the evil of the daleks totally missing tomb of the cybermen totally missing abdominal abdominal abominable snowmen <laughs> episode two exists ice warriors totally missing 
Enemy of the World, Episode 3 exists. You just want me to go onto the cliff now, the eh? cliff edge. The Web of Fear <laughs> 1. Now. The Web of Fear, Episode 1 only exists. Yeah. And Fury from the Deep, totally missing. It was a pretty poor there selection was, of anything yeah. that happened. It wasn't much. Three was episodes to represent her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just remarkable how much of Deb's stuff has come back. Yeah, yes. I think the gates opened with evil, didn't they? Yeah. Well, let, let, let's let's work it out because, um, yeah, Evil of the Daleks 2 turned up in 1987. In a Mormon church. Mm. No, that was a private collector. Oh, was it? Oh, where yeah. did you get that? Because I always remember her... T- no, no the Mormon church thing, which is a bit of a sort of garbled story anyway, is ah. um, Dalek Master Plan 5 and 10. Oh, sorry, yes, yeah. no. She, no, she Evil was, of the Daleks yeah, was with, no. with a private collector. Um, Tomb of the Cybermen turned up in 90, 91, 92. <laughs> 92, and I got And that. you got it. I got it before it was released, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really good, quite a good story for, for her. Yeah. Because um, she gets that lovely scene with Pat. Oh, to- talking about family. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Which is a lovely little scene. And yeah. she gets to shoot a Cyberman. Yeah, she gets yes. to be quite brave. There's that lovely scene where there's... Um, Fraser and Pat about to go through the doors, and she stood there. Yeah, and to put her ease, makes a comment about so the skirt, skirt being too short. short. Yeah, we well, look. Yeah. That's what, look at Jamie's. Jamie's yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I. Yeah. <laughs> and you and, can see she's naturally nervous in there anyway. Yeah, isn't she? yeah. But even, even then, they, they they they've sort of gelled together as a team yeah. very well. I think yeah, absolutely. Um, very quickly, they're all very mischievous mm. um, because when you. Because we even when I had my photograph taken with Deb's last year, mm. uh, she has a twinkle in her eye. When she was on the panel, yeah. she has that little cheeky twinkle in her <laughs> eye, doesn't she? She's always, she was always very quick to slap down Fraser when he got yeah, to that yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah. that was the only time you'd you'd met her, wasn't it? Yes, only yeah. time I'd ever met her. Yeah, because right, mm. we'd seen her at a few things. Yes, I yeah. met her in in East Ham in about in the nineties. Can't remember exactly when. Um, at the Who shop. And she was very nice. I was probably quite nervous, and she put me at my ease. Because didn't we go to, was it Tenth Planet? Yeah, it's Tenth Planet at Barking. What was that for? It was for the release of the Web of Fear soundtrack on, you know, on oh, audio book. The CD. Yes. The CD. Oh, and you, 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 you bought the CD, yeah. and you got it signed by Debs and, and Jack Walling. Yeah. And then afterwards, after it, everybody had it signed, they a... trundled all everybody off to the storeroom in the back yeah. and did a little <laughs> Q and A with Jack. Oh, and I remember that because Nick, Nick Video Debs. did it. Yes. Video did it. Video did it. Did it, did it. <laughs> and, yes. and didn't um, somebody from their family ask for a copy of that recently or something? I seem Possibly, to yeah. Nick saying yeah. that they mm. were saying, "Oh, that, that's your granddad there," or something. Mm. I wow. can't quite yeah. remember. And so. I remember Nick sitting there with yeah. that with that video camera, yeah. and, and I have to say, Giles, her brother, is the MP for my sister's constituency. Oh, that's right. Yeah, He's... they're quite an acting dynasty as well, yes. aren't they? Yes, yes, because you've got a sister, Dillis, as well. Yeah, who's on three, two, one quite a lot <laughs> for some reason. So <laughs> yeah, then then the Ice Warriors turned up in nineteen eighty eight, <laughs> uh, so that's episodes one, four, five, and six. Yeah. Um, I think they were found at the BBC, I seem to remember. Behind a finding cabinet. Something like that. Yeah. Was it Villiers House, possibly? That's I can't, right, they can't were turning it out, weren't yeah, they? Yeah. yeah, and that, and then um, uh, Adam Adamant episode as well, which I think the last one of season two. Right. Turned up in the same 
same hall. Um, you're right. Oh, Rose is coughing. That's all right. Um, but of course, the, the sort of the major thing of of recent years has been Enemy of the World oh, and yes. Most of Web of Fear. Web of yes. Fear. Yeah. And you know, I still can't quite believe we can see almost all of those stories now. Because yes. I remember having um, Web of Fear on audio, um, and I think we had a we had Tomb of the Cybermen on audio as well. I think it was. Yeah, that was that was a little bit before it turned up. I oh yes, remember. I did yeah. a review, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you did a review of it. And I made a it. cheeky comment at the end, of the saying, for saying thanks shift. for the tape, lads. Thanks for the tape, And then it lads. turned up it turned a few up. months later, yeah. didn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was one of those ones where you do it as a joke, and then oh, actually, that turned out to be true. <laughs> so that that was lovely. But can you rem- did did you see Enemy of the World here, episode one? Because we had a little video session didn't we and i'm i'm sure we did an episode for each doctor and you came round and this would have been for like the anniversary or something yes because i i had and you had you bought it but you hadn't hadn't watched it it. yeah yeah Yeah. same with web of fear wasn't it i I bought it and i hadn't watched it yet yeah because Uh, the the two stories because sadly the only thing we had was that the pretty weak episode of Enemy of the World, yeah, and that gave you the impression of do I really? But want I do, this I do bad? like that yeah. scene she's got about Kaiser pudding. Kaiser pudding, <laughs> whoosh it together, whoosh it all up. <laughs> what was it called? Kaiser pudding. Oh, hell. <laughs> <laughs> my mother wanted me to be a dustman, but it's just a gloriously silly scene. Isn't it? yeah. It's got nothing to do with the story. It's just a bit of padding, isn't and as it? you yeah. said, unfortunately, we judged that story from um one story what, from that episode yeah. which was not representative in in any and way of that story. To be a mostly story, in the corridor yeah. isn't yeah. it episode sorry but web of fear comes with a pedigree that i don't think we were let down at all with. No, no i mean we, we we thought it was going to be good and it was good mm. yeah in fact, looking, which doesn't always happen as we said looking at deb's season is mm. there anything weak there not really no mm. i no. mean there's there's yeah i mean there. They're flying high. Yeah, I, I would like to see an episode of Fury from the Deep. Love um, to see the Fury from the Deep. Episode six is interesting because she actually gets a proper leaving yeah. scene, mm. which is actually up to that point. Not everybody got one, did they? Yeah. No. Usually um, they just Dodo just disappears. And yeah. Ben and Polly. Ben and Polly just off. just <laughs> on a bit of film at the end of episode. Yeah six mm. so yeah De- deb's actually gets a proper leaving and they, there's um it, that story it, it sort of leads up to that a bit as well because there's yeah. there's the bit about her not being you know why, why do we always go to these horrible places isn't and it jamie going what's the problem and she just i just want yeah. to go so it's interesting she does safe. actually yeah. get a bit of a bit of character development yeah, a bit which, foreshadowing it's yeah. not like a sort of bolt on at the end is it oh i'm going i've had enough now thank you very much as you say, it builds slowly up, and the waves, yeah. uh, the waves. It starts even in Web of Fear, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, Why so do these things keep happening? To yeah. Us? So, so I, I mean, I know scripts were always a, you know, problem getting them done, but there is actually a bit of sort of. It does go in a bit of an order, though. Those yeah. ones, don't a they? rare so, bit of planning. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, but um, I mean, she yeah, she only did the, the the one year and a bit, but she was a companion, I think. I knew from the books. Yes. Because you've got that glorious cover of The Ice Warriors. Oh, that's my... That's a really, really first good... First Troughton book I'd ever read. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a fantastic 
painting. Yes. I mean, I know she used to say that, oh, yeah, it's me screaming again, isn't it? But just just the image of, of that. But she does more than scream. She yeah. does. Her, 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 her character has far more depth than I think she gave it credit for. Mm. Yes, I mean, yeah, there's... I said, you know, she stands up to Kaftan in uh, in Tomb of the Cybermen, mm. and yeah, she 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 did get a a, a fair fair good bit of material. Yeah. I mean, inevitably, um, that you know, some stories write for a character better than than others, yeah. don't they? Um, but I mean, she never actually returned to the show. Um, um, well, no, we had the um, Children in Need. Oh yeah, who was that awful woman? Oh yes, there's um, yes, what was it? Dimensions in Space in time. time. But then she did do downtime as well. She did, which, is, yes. which, which was the yes. sort of fan fan made fan fan video where yeah. it's her, Liz Slayton yeah. and Watling. Jack Watling and, and Nick Courtney, and Nick Courtney, Courtney on the yes. barge with, yes. with the Yeti Yeti Spears, Mark Three, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Um, mm. So yeah, she she I think she was, you know, I, I don't know whether she was sort of glad to come back to Victoria or not really but um, I think she quite enjoyed it yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah. certainly interesting to see her in later life mm. wasn't it because yeah. um, yeah. it's noticeable with the in Dimensions in Time that she's got a really sort of um, huge cloak on well she'd, she'd broken her she'd arm broken her arm trying her nephew's roller skates, roller skates or, or something, or something. Yeah. <laughs> and turned up that. and went um and they had to stick a huge cloak over her to oh, hide it. Yeah. And then she had to climb up a ladder on the cutty oh, down oh, the, the stairs stark. on the cutty yeah, stark. And, yeah. and Poetry wasn't exactly going slowly down those stairs. <laughs> yeah. He strides as he does. He's like running around <laughs> behind him. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, Warren, you, you just wanted to say about seeing her in a few other things. Did oh, you? Danger yeah. UXB. Danger UXB. Oh, she's quite memorable in Danger she's, UXB. Um, yes. yes, Naughty, Naughty Norma. Norma. <laughs> now, Naughty Norma had to do a topless scene. <laughs> where I think Anthony Andrews, she's at the top of the stairs, and Anthony Andrews is at the bottom of the stairs, and it's during an air raid. And everyone's gone to the shelter, mm. and Naughty Norma is being exceptionally naughty. Yeah, right. And she comes down the stairs and says she's so scared. And he says, oh, right, OK. And uh, she takes her top off. Right. And... Um, she tells us, Debbie tells the story of... Um, she's on the stairs freezing cold and you can the boys were all getting excited because <laughs> i was going to take my top off but they shoot her from the back not yeah. the front but as soon as she, she drops her top they all cheer she says damn them because they damn well have to film it again so cut take that again please all keep quiet and a, a couple of takes later i realized what they were up to oh lordy <laughs> But she, she's she's another one of those cheeky characters. Remember, she was in ITC's Invisible Man, wasn't she? Of course, yeah. yeah. When she was very young, she just jumped into that, my head. I've yeah. not really seen it, but I, I do know the photograph of her holding the holding his hand, yeah. walking mm. along. Yeah, because yeah. um, I know I know she's in. Um, isn't she in one of the sort of Doctor in Charge episodes? episodes. Yeah, is we haven't got to that one. Is yet. it Doctor Doctor at Large? Doctor I think. at Large, is it? Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, we've still got to see that one, mm. that one yet. But um, and she was also in Alice in Wonderland, wasn't she? Yes. And she was. Cause did, didn't she get the Radio Times cover cover for yeah. that? Again, I've not seen that, and I don't even know whether Which version is it's that? a black and white one. It's yeah. not the. Um, it's, uh, it's not the, the um, mad one. No, no, it's not. It's not the um, Jonathan Miller, Miller one. Miller one. No. 
no. It's another one. It's That'd be the 62. It's before oh, that, yeah. yeah. yeah Lots about... of versions of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, of course there are. Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, that hmm. it, it, I, I, we're in the interesting situation where it's entirely possible that we might get to see more of her in the future. And I yeah. really, really hope something of fury because you've got the little you've got a couple of little clips of it because they're that mr oak and mr quill yeah stuff from australia yeah and there's a little bit with her in the helicopter isn't there um with robson with the funny hands um but yeah it would would be lovely just to get an episode even if it's just the last episode of that well yeah i mean i think the last episode would perhaps be the most interesting because i you know i would like to see that leaving scene it would be Will be so, you know, if anyone out there can find it, we'd be very grateful, I think. Yes, please do. Yeah. But yes, we just say, you know, she was a lovely person, mm. brilliant yeah, actress, wonderful acting. She'll be greatly yeah. missed at conventions because yeah. she was, you know, generally there with Fraser, keeping him in order when he was cheeky. <laughs> and he needs that. He needs it, yeah. Yeah, so it's down to Padders now. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I'm alas, sure she can alas, do that. another empty chair. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well. Yeah. But yeah, you know, thanks, thanks, Debbie. We, yeah, you know, yeah. we salute it, you. It's been, I said, it, it, it's just been interesting as our time as fans that every now and then you get, you got some more Victoria stuff yeah. turn up, and I think it's always been a treat, isn't it? Yes. So let, let's hope for some more in the future. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thanks, okay. Debbie. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you much to Mr. Warren yes, for helping thank you, Nicky. Warren. Yes, and thank you to Nick for confirming the thing about Giles Watling was actually correct. Oh, yes, that's um, that right. He, yes. Did, he did send him a copy of the, of the video that he took um, at the signing. Yes. Yes. I don't mind seeing that again, actually. Mm, I'm sure, he's, don't, don't even I'm remember. sure he can dig it out for he us if you want, want to see. But yes. Um, but now we are pleased to welcome back Mr. Michael Seeley. Yes, because we we're, we're now in a Shroudson era mood, yes. of course. Uh, who we had the pleasure of meeting a few weeks ago when yes, he came down he did. our neck of the woods he did um and he's going to talk about the wheel in space he is good evening or whatever time you're listening to i've been asked to speak about the wheel in space and why i like it so if you're sitting comfortably or got a pillow behind your head because the wheel in space tends to send people to sleep whereas i really rather enjoy it i appreciate it's not the best in fact it's probably the least effective of the patrick trout and cyberman stories and until we get to a uh, silver nemesis it's probably the least effective of all cyberman stories let's start with how i uncovered it over the years as a fan let's go back to 1980s something or other when doctor who monthly as it was then called used to do storylines and if they did a missing episode storyline at the time I'm thinking, which is probably 1983, when I think it was Richard Landon, who was the sort of editorial content guy, he often did a very, very detailed job. There were some archives, as these storylines were pleased to call themselves, which were so brief as to be virtually non-existent. I remember one for the Sea Devils, which was basically the Doctor and Joe visit the Master, then get threatened by a Sea Devil on a Napoleonic fort, end of part one. Now, I remember reading this synopsis for The Wheel in Space, and this would have been about 11 getting on for 12, and thinking this is quite a long, drawn-out story, which indeed it is. By the time I got to the novelisation, which was 1988, by Uncle Terence Dix, I knew that it was a sort of wasn't really fast in getting anywhere. In fact, it's by episode four that the Doctor suddenly throws, "Oh my word! There's a Cyberman on the building! Quick, everyone, panic!" 
let's now go forward to 1989 and I'd made contact via Doctor Who magazine, as it was now called, Data Coils. I made contact with a lovely guy from Scotland, Pen Pal. And he mentioned that he had missing episodes on audio. Now, I'd been teased by a guy who used to come to our Doctor Who local group in Norwich that he knew of someone who had missing episodes on audio, but bless his heart, he could never deliver, even though I used to nag him, because I was a teenager by then, I was very much a nagger. But this gentleman from Scotland, um, I won't say his name, except he was called Simon, he could deliver. He sent me a list of the episodes he had. Now, I had nothing really to send him in return, except better quality audio copies of existing episodes, because I was... One of the few people in 1989 who did not have a video recorder in the house. Because my mum was an Italian peasant, I think is the kindest way of describing her. She came from that sort of background. Electricity was witchcraft in her eyes. So having a machine that could capture the image of a TV set was, I think, beyond her. So his list included quality of said audios now if any of you had actually collected missing episode audios back in the 1980s you would have been lucky if you found anything that you could describe as crystal clear by about 95 graham strong and this other guy their audio copies of missing doctor Who episodes were crystal clear they were used on the reconstructions that started to float about and then eventually of course they were the foundations for the missing episode audio range that the bbc produced i picked wheel in space as my first one to ask him to copy for me episodes one two four five because i've missed something actually 1986 i just joined my local doctor who group would do very naughty pirate videos, which you could take home and watch, as well as showing them at the club. It was fortnightly. That's significant. I had no video, so I either had to take them to my brothers, who was quite resentful, or to a few friends who would let me watch these things. And I had a few friends at the club who were local, who would eventually sometimes invite me round to watch something or other. This is around about the time of Child of a Time Lord. I was invited to a mate's house, he said, bring some videos around. And so I grabbed a couple from the club, and they were mainly Patrick Troughton episodes, uh, the Crotons, which you can imagine what we thought of that, because <laughs> best one in the world, it is a bit hard work to get through. And on the same video, there was Underwater Menace Part 3, which you can imagine, we're thinking, well, what, what happens in the rest of the story? It's just Part 3 here, never mind. And two episodes from the Moonbase, which was much more interesting. But on another tape, there was uh, The Dominators, which we did not watch. But at the beginning was Wheel in Space, which we did. So that's the first time I saw the two existing episodes. Um, what really struck me about them back then was the soundtracks. Part 3 had a beautiful Brian Hodgson radiophonic soundtrack to it, which was very absorbing to make up for the fact not very much is happening. But it was marvellous for me that day, because I was a big Cyberman fan, to watch classic Trout and Cyberman in action. All two of them. Um, sort of waving their arms about going, um, oh no, we all you will obey ya, and all that stuff. And then part six. Now, in those days, if you watched episode six, it was what they used to call a slash print, although I think that's a wrong definition, but that's what we used to call it then, i.e., it was an incomplete soundtrack. Music, strokes, sound effects weren't always there, and yes, it, it was quite an empty soundtrack. You could hear the dialogue, obviously, a few background sound effects, but not 
specific sound effects such as the laser fire that wipes out the Cybermen. I remember watching episode 6 and thinking the effects were pretty lousy. The destruction of the spaceship and the Cybermen who were going through space suddenly sort of falling away like leaves. Not very convincing. And a few years later, uh, it was issued on a BBC video cassette as a complete audio and visual experience. I remember a friend of mine called Eamon, hello Eamon if you're listening to this, uh, said it was, that the condition of the print was so good it could have been recorded yesterday. And yes, it was a very good print. That's how I've absorbed it over the years. Thanks, Simon and Edinburgh, I got to hear, for the very first time, missing episodes. And it was the Ween in Space. Now, the sound quality was as if someone had, as I used to do in the 80s, put a battery-powered cassette recorder in front of your TV set, pressed record and hope for the best. That's what I used to do. Sometimes it was good results, sometimes bad results. This was a reasonable result. But that's not the whole reason why I love the Ween in Space. Yes, of course, I appreciate its weaknesses, but I particularly enjoy little details. One of the enjoyable aspects of the Weed in Space is the first episode, which has a sort of edge of destruction in miniature at the beginning. David Whittaker's first Doctor Who script. And frankly, it's a personal favourite on mine, the edge of destruction. I won't hear a word said against it. Well, actually, I will hear a word said against it because I'm mature. And episode one is almost like a throwback to the Hartnell days and having the Doctor and his companion exploring. Which, okay, in this case, seems like a rather cramped little spaceship with a couple of rooms, a corridor. Lovely, mysterious servo robot. I love the pictures you see of the servo robot. I remember the first time I saw it was in Doctor Who Weekly, issue 23, I think it was. It had the Tomb of the Cybermen cover. And inside was a picture of the Doctor and Jamie being menaced by the servo robot. And there's lovely posed photographs they did for the story. And of course, by the time you think the story is going to be exclusively on board the, the uh, silver carrier, the story suddenly switches to the wheel itself. Now, the wheels on a bus goes round and round, round and round, round and round. So does the wheel in space. And that's it for story for perhaps the, perhaps the next uh, two episodes, really. Not very much happens. But what you do get is an awful lot of typical David Whittaker characterization. You've got Tom Duggan, this sort of cheerful engineer, who collects space fauna. Now, I love this stuff. The idea that seeds had come all the way to the wheel via um, Venus. Which, of course, in the 60s, there was still the hope that Venus supported intelligent life, lush vegetation. Until, of course, one of the NASA probes sent back the truth that Venus is not very hospitable. But, of course, David Whittaker, he likes his Venus, doesn't he? Venusian nightfish. I love it. I imagine Kit Peddler's notes were full of uh, stuff like this. He likes science fiction did our kit peddler. He wasn't there to be scientifically accurate. He was there to provide science fiction because there was so little outlet for science fiction. Doctor Who was one of the few. That's why they needed the science fiction advisor. Some of you may know I'm the biographer of Kit Peddler who provided the ideas for this story. I had this secret desire when I went to visit his daughter Lucy who told me that she just found a box of her father's papers that she secured after his death. I sort of had this, this fantasy that I'd find the story notes for the Weed in Space. <laughs> Instead, I found the original script for the Tenth Planet Part 4, which did not include the regeneration. That was far more exciting. And doing what storylines, existing stories and ones that never got made. No Weed in Space, alas. Some of the things I really like about the story is I do wonder if they came from Kit's notes. 
how people would function on board a space station. I could imagine his notes being full of things like X-ray lasers and and antimatter force fields or whatever, plus the Cyberman's very complicated plan in infiltrating the wheel. Now, Kit Peddler always wanted to write a story about vampires, so it comes as no surprise to me that the Cybermen infiltrate the wheel in crates. Now, if I remember correctly, and I'm more than happy to be corrected, didn't Dracula do his journey from Transylvania to Northumbria in crates full of Transylvanian soil? Well, here are the Cybermen being transported from the Silver Carrier space rocket, as it's often called in the story, into the wheel via crates full of Bonalia. Makes me think vampires. David Whittaker was always so good at characterization, even if it was like a very small part. For example, like Toby in the Evil of Arnix. Uh, you, you got these lovely little character flourishes, and the wheel in space is full of them. But the one I want to mention, Chang, played by a very English Peter Laird, who you will know from Sapphire and Steel Story 5 as the obsequious butler. He's not very Chinese. And in episode four, one of the characters says to him, well, run along, Chang, chop, chop. Now, I can imagine some very sensitive people will be writing their letters of apology to the Chinese embassy, even as we speak, if the episode existed. Uh, Chang, for what it's worth, gets killed off pretty horrifically. I've stopped trying to expect Doctor Who to be some sort of, to have some sort of textual purity or perfection. We expect too much from our favourite programme, if it is indeed our favourite programme. A relative newcomer to the field of script editing, to be perfect script editor, and to produce masterpieces every other week. We expect our writers to produce masterpieces every other week. We expect our directors to be master directors every week. Ain't gonna happen. The Wheel in Space is not a masterpiece. It's competent. It's enjoyable. It's not the best. It's certainly not the worst. Thank you, Mr. Seeley. Yes, thank you. That was a very interesting article. It's always nice to hear other fans' memories of how they got to see certain stories. Yes. Because we all have our, our memories of how we first got into Doctor Who or we first saw this story or yeah. that story or whatever. I mean, everybody's journey through fandom is different. Is different. Yeah. And, and I, like, I like hearing yeah. the sort of, these per, sort of personal bits. Yes. So yeah. there we go. But now, um, we thought we'd do a series mm-hmm. uh, produced by Verity Lambert yes created by Sydney Newman yes a black and white adventure serial yes with somebody dressed in Edwardian garb uh, with a young female assistant mm-hmm. um, which the series which Patrick Troughton joins the cast of in 1966 all right yeah so it can only be Adam Adamant lives indeed <laughs>
Lisa. Yes. Adam Adamant lives! Exclamation yes. mark. Exclamation mark. Just it's so important to get that in. Yes. yes. Uh, I never actually refer to it as the full title. I always call it Adam Adamant. Yeah, but no, it's Adam Adamant lives. I know. Because he lives. He does live, yes. yes. But um, explain to the assembled masses. <laughs> assembled masses. Um, all 20 of them. Uh, what <laughs> this lovely series is about. It's about a man called Adam Adamant, unsurprisingly. Mm-hmm. So he could have been called Darius Crutt. Yes. Or, or Dick, Dick Daring. Daring. <laughs> they went through various names. Various names, yeah. And, and Sidney Newman, who created it, went, no, that's just stupid. Let's Dick call D- him... Dick Daring would finish, would would fit the um the music. The music, though, yeah. Because yeah. you could go, it's Dick Daring, it's Dick Daring. Mm, yeah. 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 Anyway, Sidney Newman said what? He, well, he, he didn't like any of the names, and he called it Adam Adamant in the end because Adam Adamantium is stronger than any other material apparently okay apart from graphite but that wasn't there then um but yeah so it's about he's an adventurer he's mm-hmm. a victorian stroke edwardian he's like a sort of spy sort yeah. of james bond for yeah. for the edwardian era but we're less shagging fighting around. villains yes yes yeah, he's, he, he does what he does for king and country mm-hmm. or queen and country and we first join him in 1902 yes at castle in windsor yes and which who, is Windsor Castle. Yes. Who's at, who's at a castle in Windsor? Windsor? Um, the King. Windsor? In 1902. The King. The, the King. Who is? Edward Seventh. You have to say, because yes. not everyone knows. Yes. <laughs> and um, also he's the love of his life, Louise, mm-hmm. who he can't marry yeah. because she may be used against him. Mm-hmm. Her love, you know, his love for her may be used against him in, as part of his work. Yes. And he... It sort of sets up his stall straight away because he dispatches two. Well, he dispatches one villain, mm-hmm. and he gives the other one a sporting chance. Yeah, and he chucks himself. So he yeah. throws himself off a balcony. Yes, yes. I salute you, Adam Adamant. Yes, and in, so, in some sort of accent. Yeah, in some sort of accent, and then and this the, the whoever's in charge of intelligence or whatever he is comes in and says, "Who was that?" And he says, "A very brave man." <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so basically that's what he does. Um, then he gets a note to mm-hmm. say. Louise has been ca- kidnapped. Yes. And she's being held in a house in Stepney, is it? Something Somewhere like that. Like that. Mm-hmm. So he goes to find her and finds himself enmeshed in a net. Yes, because he opens a door. He opens a door, door and yeah. falls through. Falls through. Because there's no, there's no, no, I think no there. floor. No. Yeah. And falls into a net. Yes. And then he comes face to face with his nemesis. The face. The face. Yes. Face to face with <laughs> face the face. Face to face with the face. Didn't he, think about that. He's one. got a leather mask. He's got a leather mask. And yeah. he whispers. He does. Because true villainy always whispers. Because it's more sinister. And he, he's going to subject him to a process yes. where he's going to be frozen yeah. in a, yeah. it's, it's a it's, block of ice. It's pure James Bond villain. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, I'm going to tell you all my plans. And then I'm going to kill you. In yeah. this case, I'm going to tell you all my plans and then I'm going to freeze you. Yeah, but Adam says, why not kill me? Yeah. And, and his, his rather sort of lame excuse yeah. is, that would be too good for you, Mr. Adamant. Yes. You see, I can do that. I can yeah, do you the can face. do that, yeah. Right. yeah. I can whisper. Yes. I haven't got my leather mask no. on, but, you know. <laughs> I'll put that on later. It's all right. <laughs> but anyway, so Adam says, well, you know, before you do this fiendish thing, I would like to see Louise one more time. And she comes in. And she's in league with the face. Because mm, he, he, he snogs her up her he arm. He snogs her up her arm, yeah, which is like really daring. <laughs> um, 
And you can sort of, you can sort of tell she's a badden because she's wearing eye makeup, which oh. I'm not sure ladies of that period would have done. Is she, is she a painted done. lady? She's a painted. She's a very painted lady. She's got mm. quite a lot of slap on. All right, okay. So, and then, right, so he's frozen in this block of ice, yes. and then we cut to a bloke with a pneumatic drill in yes, 1966. 1966. And they go, it goes, hey, look, there's a man in some ice. <laughs> frozen in a block of ice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you, you find yourself at the hospital where they've taken Adam, mm. and he escapes because he's thinking, he thinks he's being held by mm. the faces, sort of henchman, I suppose. Um... And he finds himself in the middle of Piccadilly Circus. Yes, with all the lights. With all the lights and cars and madness. And he's got his sword stick and his cloak on. He's sort of staggering around, sort of staring at people and women with short skirts and stuff. And apparently they actually just went and filmed this with the sword stick and everything. And didn't tell anybody. Yeah, Finish just, filming. Just set up the camera, yeah. film, run film, away. Run away before, before the anybody come. asks any questions. Well, they have to pay any money. But you can see people sort of... Yeah, sort looking of at him. Li- like, lo- looking the in the background. Yeah, what the hell is going on there? Mind you, you can also see that in episode two. Because yes. when they're filming in Blackpool, there's yeah. a load of people in coats. Just watching. Just, just stood yeah. there watching what, what's, yeah. go- what's going on. So, um, but he, he finds himself rescued by Miss Georgina Jones, mm-hmm. whose grandfather we met. Yeah. Shortly before he was frozen, or a year or two before he was frozen in ice, because uh, he's met a grandfather. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and he's amazed that he's a he's, he's old enough to be a grandpa. He's rather young to be a grandfather, isn't he? Yes, yes. little yeah. short fellow he goes. <laughs> um, and she's he's in her flat, and he says, "Where am I?" And she says, oh, "You're in my flat." And oh, I must go. Your reputation. <laughs> And well, she's like, no, no. Men have stayed there before. Yeah. Well, surely not. Yeah. Oh, I, you're so young that you should have been um, mm. in, driven to it. To this. Yeah. Um, I shall give you a reference which will outweigh the most scarlet of pasts. Yes. So what is he thinking about her? He's thinking she's... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <coughs> I'm very sorry. Sorry. She right. offers him breakfast and he, yes. he wants nothing of any consequence. Yes. A few some deviled kidneys, kidneys and some kedgery. Some what kedgery. is kedgery? It's, um, it's like a fish curry with rice, I think. Oh, right. okay. Lovely. It doesn't sound nice. And she says, no, you'll yeah. have oaty popples like the rest of us. They do like snap, it. crackle, yes. pop. Yeah. Why, he says. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good question. But, um, and then he helps her because her, her grandfather is killed. By some is it a grandfather or is it just an old bloke? Oh, it's an old man. I assumed it's her grandfather because she calls him Gramps. I think that's just what they call him. Right, okay. I don't think well, anyway, she, somebody she works for or knows is killed. Mm-hmm. And in the by, discotheque. In the discotheque. I have which, no idea what that could, yes. could be, Miss Jones. Um, and by protection racketeers. So she tells the police, the policeman, who is... Who's the policeman? He's, he's Joby Blanchard from, from Doomwatch. From Doomwatch, yeah. Um, Colin. Yeah. And he he says, well, if you identify him, then we can take him in. And this gets back to the villains, who pay her a visit at her flat and tell her not to, <laughs> not to testify or or to identify them if she knows what's good for her. Because the the chief villain is Mar- yes. Margot something or other, yes. yeah. Isn't it? And of course, she's a lady. She's a lady. Yes, she's the first of many ladies that will will come up against Adam Adamant. That sounded wrong, but never mind. <laughs> um, and yeah, basically, he helps her out. And in the first of many dispatches, Margot goes off the roof. Yes. There's and a lot of people falling off things, falling off in, things in this series. Getting isn't stabbed, there? getting their throats cut. Yeah. It's, it's quite it's violent. Because yeah. Yeah. Um, episode two, 
which is um, in the Blackpool one. Yeah. And it's to do with it uh, blowing up the Blackpool illumination. Yes, so the because the, the villains have got land, uh, I think somewhere on the north side or something. And if the if the if the gold mile is destroyed, then that will suddenly become very expensive. Oh, Margot Kane. Margot Kane. That was her full right. name, by the way. Okay. Um, yeah. by Frieda Jackson. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, episode two, um, you've got um, Stephanie Bidmead, yes. better known as Marga. That's Marga. Marga is coming. Yes. <laughs> and she's in a sort of waxworks or something. She is. Isn't she owns she? a waxworks, yes. But there's one, all these sort of killers, you Christie and, and all sorts. But they, you keep getting these shots of filming in Blackpool yeah. um, and they're looking at these, this stick of rock yeah. manufacturers. Because mm-hmm. um, that's what vendors, leads in there, a stick of rock. Um, mm. Yeah, there's a stick of rock with a with some plans, plans in it, it yeah. Um, for, yeah. which turns out to be for the illuminations. For the illuminations yeah. But there's this bloke in a sinister bloke in a hat and coat, yeah. and every time he comes around the corner, the music does the sort of villainous. Doo, doo, doo. Yes. Unfortunately, it's um Michael Robbins, Michael Robbins, Arthur from on the buses. Yeah, so you can't some, take him seriously. No, it's either. somewhat like oh. Okay. But yeah, he falls off Blackpool he gets, he gets Tower. He thrown off. He doesn't fall off. off. Yeah. Adam actually picks him up and throws him over the edge. Having mentioned previously to Georgina that he did this to some people who were trying to blow it up when it opened. Yes. I killed one here and threw the other off Blackpool Tower. <laughs> so yeah, he, what, he what goes around comes around, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. You can just imagine the police turning up to places and going, oh God, Adam has been here. But again. in this episode, they um, first encounter Jack May. Jack May, who's, who who's goes on butler. to be on his butler Sims. Sims. And Jack May being terribly fruity and, terribly fruity and posh. And doing limericks as yes, well later doing on. doing limericks. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's a sort of punch and judy man. He's a punch and judy man at this point. At yeah. this point. But he's, but he's, he's trod the boards in yeah. the past. But this yeah. episode, he's driving the mini as well, Adam yes. is. He seems to have learned yeah. to drive he's between... He's learned to drive between the first and second episode. So, yeah. so obviously so quite some time has passed between the first and because he's also got now got somewhere to live he lives on the top of a multi-story car park yes. which is where his house used to be but he's got an apartment at the top of it which you access via a hidden door <laughs> um which is sort of very sort of spy yes. kind of thing isn't it so but yeah i mean there's 29 episodes in total mm-hmm. um most of the first series um, from 1966 survives most of the second series from 1967 is Nothing. missing yes. um, as we said um, it's created by Sidney Newman produced by Verity Lambert mm-hmm. um, you do get some uh, notable uh, people involved Ridley Scott directs some episodes yeah which is um, probably one of the earliest things he did Donald Cotton and Richard Harris write the pilot yeah. episode of which they use nine minutes in yes. the broadcast version first yeah. episode because they have a different actress playing georgina in the pilot yes. episode but they decided she wasn't 60 in the 60s enough but tony williamson is the sort of story editor story and, main and, writer. and main writer yeah, um, yeah. i mean but, you don't get your robert holmes or anything on no. this but but you do you do get an awful lot of um very familiar actors yes turning up a lot of who guest stars yes and yes. let's just turn briefly to the episode we 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 most okay. recently sort of yep watched yes. um which is d for destruction yes which is the final episode of season one yes so who's who's the guest stars in in this one well the main guest star i suppose is in cuthbertson yes um you also get michael ripper yes and you get a certain patrick troughton yes playing a small part just doing one scene one scene yeah um, pat gets the first scene and he's yeah. playing general mongerson yes he um, gets the second scene technically yeah Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
but he sort of calls in Adam yes. to investigate some deaths at his old regiment. At his old regiment. Yes, the 51st Yeoman, Yeomanry. But it's quite funny to see Pat just before he's yes. going to play the Doctor. Because the, yeah. the voice he's got as Mongerson is sort yeah. of some way between the second Doctor, yep. some way between Cole Hawlings. Yeah. There's the familiar trout and sort of... <clears throat> Yeah. Clearing of the throat stuff. That's what I was doing earlier. Yes. Yeah. And there's also a little bit of Tarragon the dragon yes. in there because he can't say his, his, his R's pop, no. properly, can properly, he? No. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's really good value, Pat. He only does one thing, but he does a lot with it. Yes. Though he has got the most unfortunate wig on. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm assuming the beard's his own. Oh, that could be a stick on um, one. I uh, don't know. There's a, nice, the, there's a nice picture of yeah, him and. Yeah. Adam. So yeah. So Adam goes to his regiment, dressed up, dressed up in um his dress uniform. Yes. Or what? Well, it's actually a recreation of his dress uniform. I think some he has it made. Yes. Very quickly. He's uh, he's got a lot of money because I read somewhere somebody said where did he get his money from? Well, presumably it's been in the bank since earning interest. Yeah, earning interest. That time. So. <laughs> and I'm yes. assuming he was quite wealthy beforehand anyway. So yeah, he turns up in full dress uniform, which amuses Georgina no end. Um, and he encounters in Cuthbertson and Michael Ripper, who yes. we didn't mention. Yes, Michael Ripper's the, the sergeant, sergeant major. major. Yes, and the fifty-first um, the Yeomanry is is a, now a territorial army mm-hmm. but regiment, it's, but it's about to but be it's disbanded. Disbanded, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Ian Cuthbertson wants to show that they're a useful fighting force, mm-hmm. so he decides to do this by attacking a missile base. That's right. Uh, who's at the missile base? None uh, other than um, Michael Sheard. Michael Sheard, very young. Yeah. Well, he look. He is young. He just doesn't look young. Michael Sheard never really no, looked young, did he? Really 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 um, also, in this episode, we should say playing various soldiers. Um, you've got uh, you've got Terry Walsh. Yeah. Um, you've got Brian Mosley. Yes. Uh, you've got uh, Pat Gorman mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Um, who else is there? John uh, Levine. John Levine can be seen. Derek Martin, yeah. So it's, like, it, it's it's all the it's all the familiar faces. Yes. Yeah, all the sort of stunty people that can do stunts. Yes. Well, apart, apart from John Levine, possibly. Because this episode is directed by Moira Armstrong. Armstrong. Yeah. We called her something else. Yes. Earlier, we called yes. her Mo- Moira Anderson yes. on the first attempt. Yeah. Uh, but Moira Armstrong is, I think, um, not that well known to sort of Doctor Who fans. No. No, she's um, never directed Doctor Who, which is a shame because I but, think she'd be good. Uh, she, she's got, she's doing some very good film work yes. here. Um, in fact, she directs seven episodes of Adam Adamant in mm-hmm. total. Um, but D for Destruction has got some very nice yeah. sort of yeah. f- filming going on. Mm-hmm. Um, she did do a few Z cars, a right. cu- couple of Z cars in nineteen nineteen sixty five. Did, did softly, softly. Um, did mogul. All right. Um, so you know, it's she. It's yeah. It's just a shame she never got to do Doctor Who. But maybe she didn't want to do it. No, well, maybe, maybe she was asked. never offered it. No. I don't know. No. But uh, yeah. Um, but with Verity Lambert producing yeah. and Moira Armstrong di- directing, yeah. you've also got the floor, floor manager Val Shepherd. Yes. Um, so you have this very of, three on, three strong females. Yeah. Uh, Val Shepard can be spotted on the extras on the DVD. Yes. Um, Shouting at people mostly. Because <laughs> there's some studio footage um, from the episode Sing a Song of Murder, I uh-huh. believe. 
and you can see a very you can hear her shouting shut up yeah a lot yeah and you can see her briefly mm-hmm. uh, on the floor with a big script in her hand in a folder which says val on it yeah. in big letters just to make sure nobody else took it by mistake <laughs> so i do like yeah. i do like the fact she's got her own personalized uh, folder mm-hmm. for her for her scripts but yeah, the the episode sort of takes a sort of quite a dark turn. It does when they invade the it missile does, base, yes. and because it turns out that Michael Ripper um, it, has got other things in mind. He's packing real bullets, he isn't is he? Packing real bullets, yeah. Because yes. Michael Shear gets shot. He does. And yeah, yeah they're going to aim the missiles at London. At London, unless they send them lots of gold. <laughs> it's mm. always money, isn't it? It is. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, but you've. Recently, just got the um, annual yes. turn up. Very you? recently today. Yeah, yes. there was an annual. There were some sort of TV comic strips and yeah. things like this. Yeah. All of these are available as PDFs on the on the DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, the DVD is very well done. You've got yeah. all the surviving episodes. You've got the uh, there's a 50 minute documentary that's very yes. good. Uh, yes. Mark Gatiss. Mark Gatiss. Um, yeah. He talked to all the, the main cast that are still around. Yes, um, and I think you know it's it's people say that, that it's a poor man's Avengers. Yes, and but uh, Sydney Newman had something to say about that. Uh, didn't uh, yeah, he? I mean there is there is some there is some quotes from yeah. Sydney. He's the best person to take the information from in he the created DWB both. interview from 1986 with him. Um, I didn't create Adam Adamant to kill the Avengers. Um, it was a brilliant idea. Again, it was a time shift thing. And you know what inspired me in that idea? Mary Whitehouse. She was kicking the shh out of me and guys like me. And to her, I was the greatest purveyor of plays of doubt, dirt, doubt and disbelief. And I was trying to understand this woman, what she was on about. I thought she was mistaken in trying to force Victorian ideas on us today. I thought, damn, I'm going to see if she's right and make fun out of Victorian ideas in the 20th century. Um, it called for some pretty fancy writing. I think we failed script-wise and in a few other reasons, and Verity knocked herself out trying. Mm-hmm. But I think he's under underrating it, Yeah, because really. there are some really good episodes. Um, yeah. so, some of them are, uh, again, they're not afraid to go strange no. on, on occasion. No. There's some very, mm-hmm. very old ones. We've just started re-watching yes. the series, haven't mm-hmm. we? Um, so we did D for Destruction mainly because of... Pat, and Pat, we'd never yeah. seen this one. No. And now we've rewatched the first first two episodes, mm-hmm. and I think we'll be doing we'll them sort of on. one one, yeah. one a week. I mean, there is there is a format it sticks to. Certainly in the first series, that a lot of the um, villains are female, and because they're female, Adam Adamant being a very good Victorian struck Edwardian gentleman, yeah, is he, he's unable to think of them as being evil yeah or, or being you know you always trust the women and it inevitably proves i mean he always comes through at the end but it's usually about halfway through the episodes he gets knocked out by clonked on the head and you get you always get, yeah, the, you get the, the thing of him falling through the yeah. through into the yeah. net again this looks really nasty so there's a real sort of there's a good sort of this big drop big drop yeah, yeah. because he sort of if it if it is him which i think it is he pure he's, he's on it right on his toes because he well, does he do a lot through. of his own stunt work. Because yeah. he he does all his own fighting, yes. doesn't he? Yes. Because um, yeah, Jerome Wills, who was in an episode, was told by somebody to to watch him because um, apparently he's very short sighted and yeah. doesn't always 
wasn't always as careful as he could be. Yeah. So somebody told if he gets a bit of hand, just give him a tap on the hand with a sword, and he'll immediately pull back. Yeah. Which who is who, who told him that? At Derek Ware. Derek Ware allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but yeah, you know, in in terms of violence, there's there's, there's a, a lot of violence. There, there is a fair old bit. There's of... less violence in the second series, I believe, but because so well, much know. of it doesn't exist, <laughs> it's, it's hard, hard to tell. It's hard to tell. But yeah, there's a lot of, as I said, there's a lot of people killed in mm. the course of what's going on yeah. you know there's the, the lot of the police having to go oh god or oh, one other detail for d for destruction when they get in the missile base yeah i got excited because mm-hmm. in the background you could see the missile indicator board from um the later episodes of the doctor who story the invasion right yeah the invasion's 1966 this episode's no invasion's 1968 this episode's 1966 um, so we put it up on Twitter and yeah. we thought we were all very clever having yes. spotted that. And um, then uh, Philip Ayres very kindly sent us a link to his uh, blog from a few months ago, uh, which is philsotherthings.blogspot.co.uk. And if you look on his entries for February, there's two sections on what he's called Power Station Panels and Power Station Panels 2. And, you know, like um, the panel off of the Keller machine yeah. it always pops up in, mm-hmm. in lots of John Pertwee stories. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things you, you, you keep spotting it in the background. Mm-hmm. The same is true of a lot of the set in the, in the missile base, yeah. um, which... These seem to be like these sort of um, dials and switches, and mm-hmm. banks of dials and switches, and they're they're all over the place. They're in, you know, lots and lots of Doctor Who stories, but they also turn up in in the Prisoner um, and in Doom Watch. So it's 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 worth just just spotting them just yeah. just just for set design nerdery, which mm-hmm. which always amuses me. But uh, yeah, there's you know there, there's a lot of good stuff, I think, in Adam Adamant yeah. lives. Yeah. Um, and he's it's always very watchable. Gerald yeah. Harper's very good yeah. at the parts, even well, when he's forced to do the same sort of thing over and over and yeah. over again. I have to, I have to ask though, Adam Adamant or Sir Lancelot? Oh, see, that's a difficult one. I'd have to probably say Adam Adamant. Why? Because um, I'm sure Sir Lancelot's very courteous <laughs> and nice. But he is a medieval knight. Yeah. So Adam Adamant is at least a bit more up to date. So you <laughs> might get a nice meal out of it. We don't have to have a, a pig's head or something. <laughs> pig's head. <laughs> a side of beef. Side of beef. I should say as well, going back to what you were saying about Victorian um, attitudes, mm. there's a scene in one of the episodes where he's talking to, I think it's John Colin Jeevens, and there's a fashion show going on behind him. All right. And Colin Jeevens said to says to him, "Do you did you not have this in you know in your time, Mr. Adamant?" And he says, "Only with cattle," <laughs> which I think is a great line. Oh uh, yes, that's yeah. very good. So. Yes, but yeah, um, to sum up, Adam Adamant. Yes, um, it's very good. Well worth yeah, I think, investigating. Yeah. Um, yeah. I say it's slightly sort of overlooked these days, which yes. is a shame. Yeah. Us cult TV nerds yeah. know it, but mm-hmm. I think the you know more general awareness wouldn't be a bad thing no um you know don't go into it thinking it's it's the avengers it's not it's completely different no it's you know because steve's not a victorian no <laughs> the only thing he's got in common with the avengers is there's a man and a woman in it. yeah well that's true so so yeah. many other series so isn't it that's it anyway. and it was created by sydney newman yes yeah. give it a go then yeah
one in the new year. Incidentally, Patrick Troughton, who you saw there, will soon be taking on the mantle of Doctor Who, when William Hartnell hands over the keys to TARDIS. Next week, the return of the Man from UNCLE starring David McCallum. In the first episode, The Indian Affairs Affair, the Man from UNCLE is a brave brave without any reservations. That's not going to sound great in 50 years' time, is it? I mean, who writes this rotten rubbish? They get these kids in, these, these, these children with, with, with a wisp of, wisp of air on their chins, and to write this rotten rubbish, I need to be properly serviced. I'm an artiste, I tell you, an artiste. I've come all the way from Portland Place to read this stuff, and this nonsense. And that Doctor Who, I don't understand what that's all about. How can they change the actor? It's political correctness gone mad, I tell you. Political correctness gone mad. Like one of the black and white minstrels doing it soon. Or a woman. A woman. Can you imagine that, eh? Eh, eh? What do you think of that, eh? Eh? I'm, I've had enough. I'm going back to ITV. It's time I, time I was announcing Meet the Wife again. Goodbye. I think you meant graphene rather I, than graphite. I think I did, you? yes. I unless got, I got unless you've got some very hard pencils. Uh, you know, <laughs> HB, it could be quite hard. But yes, graphene. Yes. That's the apprentice's fault because one of their teams is called graphene. Right. And it's stuck in my head. Okay. Yeah. Right. I think that's just about it for this issue. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. Um, Yes, issue 16 will follow a similar, similar pattern. Pa pattern. Um, but will we be talking about the next two yes, doctors? Yes, so we'll be moving into the John Pertwee, Tom Baker eras. Into colour. Into colour. Mm. Uh, we had hoped to record some stuff for that today. Yes. But due to the weather. Due to Storm um, Brian and various yes, other things. Our, our second unit is working on that working in that Salisbury. In Salisbury, yeah. <laughs> which, which, yeah. For which we're very grateful. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you, boys. Thank you, chaps. And now we've just uh, got to do the uh, the end credits, I yes, think. Yes, I so, think so. Back in a sec. Bye-bye. Hey, Mr Adamant, what did you think of this episode of Round the Archives? A more cacophonous melange I have yet to hear, Miss Jones. What precisely was this Tower of Babel to which I have been subjected? That's not fair. It was only a podcast. Pod? Cast? Some new form of sport that involves throwing peas, perhaps? Don't be silly. It's a bit like a radio show where people talk about old television programmes. I thought you'd enjoy it, you know, being quite old yourself. Enough of the compliments, Miss Jones, but this 21st century of yours is ever more bewildering. To watch this device you call television is a dubious enough pastime, but to listen to the disembodied voices of people talking about it? Well, that way madness lies, surely. I keep telling you, I'm not Shirley, I'm Georgina. I'm grateful for the correction. However, I feel it is my duty to seek out these crazed miscreants and stop their rabid broadcasts for the good of the British Empire. But there isn't a British Empire anymore. And I lay that fact at their very door. In the name of sanity, Miss Jones, end your association with these purveyors of moral degradation before it is too late. Where are you going? To the headquarters of these evil archives of which you speak. 
A swift thrust from my sword stick would teach them a lesson they will never forget. Hey, wait for me, Mr. Adamant! <laughs> That was episode 15 of Round the Archives, starring Lisa Parker and Andrew Trowbridge with Warren Cummings and Michael Seeley. The continuity announcements were by IT Williams. On the musical side, you heard Dan Tate and Paul Chandler. The script for Adam Adamant Lives, D for Destruction, was by Tony Williamson. And the producer was Verity Lambert. Top of the Pops will be back at the same time next week. Starting shortly over on BBC Two, The Money Programme. This is BBC One. In 50 minutes, the news is followed by the Norman Vaughan Show. But first, Adam returns to his old regiment as Gerald Harper stars in the last of the current series of Adam Adamant Lives. And Top of the Pops will be back at the same time next week. Starting shortly over on BBC Two, The Money Programme. This is BBC One. In 50 minutes, the news is followed by The Norman Vaughan Show. But first, Adam returns to his old regiment as Gerald Harper stars in the last of the current series of Adam Adamant Lives. And Adam Adamant will return to BBC One in the new year. You might like to know that Patrick Troughton, who you saw there, will soon be taking on the mantle of Doctor Who, when William Hartnell hands over the keys to the TARDIS. Next week, The Return of the Man from Uncle, starring David McCallum. In the first episode, The Indian Affairs Affair, The Man from Uncle is a brave brave without any reservations. That's not going to sound great in 50 years' time, is it? I mean, who gets these junior staffers to write this stuff? I mean, I'm an artiste, for goodness sake. I've come all the way from Portland Place to read this rotten rubbish, all the way to Television Centre, and it's it's just rubbish. I, I need to be serviced. I'm, I'm going back to ITV, I am. I'm going back to announcing Meet the Wife. I've had enough of this. Goodbye. And Adam Adamant will return to BBC One in the new year. Incidentally, Patrick Troughton, who you saw there, will soon be taking on the mantle of Doctor Who, when William Hartnell hands over the keys to TARDIS. Next week, The Return of the Man from Uncle, starring David McCallum. In the first episode, The Indian Affairs Affair, The Man from Uncle is a brave brave, without any reservations. That's not going to sound great in 50 years' time, is it?
I mean, who writes this rotten rubbish? They get these kids in, these 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 children with 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 a wisp of wisp of air on their chins, and to write this rotten rubbish, I need to be properly serviced. I'm an artiste, I tell you, an artiste. I've come all the way from Portland Place to read this stuff, and it's nonsense. And that Doctor Who, I don't understand what that's all about. How can they change the actor? It's political correctness gone mad, I tell you. Political correctness gone mad. You'll have one of the black and white minstrels doing it soon, or a woman, a woman. Can you imagine that? Eh, eh, eh. What do you think of that? Eh, eh. I'm, I've had enough. I'm going back to ITV. It's time I, time I was announcing Meet the Wife again. Goodbye.